You're listening to I'll Have What She's Podcasting, a film and pop culture podcast hosted by Louise Oliver and Jackie Farmer, two tired feminist millennials giving you opinions you didn't ask for about the content they love. Jackie Farmer. Hello, Louise Oliver. How are you? I am well, thank you. I'm I'm recovering from a bit of lurgy, so oh. maybe my voice is a little weird, maybe a little sexy. I'm, I'm hoping for sexy, but I think it's maybe just going to be croaky. It's always sexy. Stop it. Stop As is everything flirt. you do. <laughs> Dating is hard, which brings <laughs> us to this week's film. <laughs> yes, dating is hard. I, I agree that that is the basic premise of the movie we're about to discuss. <laughs> The well-known film about how dating is hard, <laughs> set at Christmas, <laughs> Batman Returns. Batman Returns! <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's such a good one. Uh, we were just having a chat about what other films that we could do that are Christmas films that have any kind of feminist arc in them, and we really couldn't think of very many. We suspect that this one is it. <laughs> we think this is the, the most one. Yeah. <laughs> if you want feminist content at Christmas, you are... You're going to be left a little thirsty, yeah. a little hungry. I'm sure there, there must be some we're not thinking of. But anyway, this but is what we're doing. <laughs> that's not the point right now. <laughs> so what are your memories of this film? Is it one that you're familiar with? Oh, super familiar. Mm. I remember watching this kind of like obsessively. Like, well, not obsessively. I watched it loads when I was yeah, a teenager. And I did as well. Late teens kind of vibe. Mm. Um, I watched it a lot. I definitely watched this one more than Batman, the first yeah. Tim Burton instalment into the Batman franchise. And, you know, that one is brilliant in and of itself. We've got Jack Nicholson as the Joker, very seminal, brilliant. Mm. But I, I think I prefer this one. Same. Yeah. It goes in the very limited category for me of better sequels. And the only other one that comes to mind, which I think is the best sequel of all time, is Adam's Family Values, which we will mm. definitely cover at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy it more. I yeah. enjoy it more than Batman. I don't know if you can make an alien aliens argument that maybe Batman is a better film. I do not have that argument prepared. No. Nor am I confident in it. I'm not passionate about that argument no. either. Although interestingly, on that point, I did read something while doing my homework. Because I did. A <laughs> little bit. A little bit of homework. I can tell from your notes you did your homework. Thank you. <laughs> what did we learn last time? <laughs> Studying is cool. Studying is cool. Exactly. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, so I read somewhere that Tim Burton was not that happy with the screenplay for the first one. Like, okay. he was satisfied but not thrilled. Mm. Whereas he, I think he put in a bit of time and effort into mm. getting this one right because there was another screenwriter attached. I can't remember the guy's name. Forgive me, sorry. Before the chap who did it, whose name I can't remember either because I've got a head like a sieve. <laughs> um, sorry, male <laughs> screenwriters whose names I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, so he, he kind of ditched the first guy's attempt which had some kind of plot about the penguin and Catwoman looking for buried treasure. Right. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Okay. Um, and he was like, no, this is not what I want. And yeah, then it was the guy that wrote Heathers, actually. Oh, okay. And they ended up writing a screenplay for this this one and it was a little bit more complex a bit more going on Tim Burton was like yep this is the draft this is the one and okay. put a bit of time into getting it right so I would like to assume that means that Tim Burton thinks this one is a bit better yeah he was more happy with it I had read something about how the Max Shrek character in this was originally going to be Harvey Dent Ooh, and I didn't know that that's yeah, a good one this was going to be part of the arc where Harvey Dent turns into Two-Face because Billy D. Williams played Harvey Dent in Batman first Batman Tim yes, uh-huh. he was Harvey Dent who's the district attorney and who obviously has a film with him in it in the Nolan ones which yeah. we'll 
maybe. And Billy D. Williams signed on for Batman because he knew that there's a Harvey Dent arc where Harvey Dent becomes Two Face. So he was oh. sort of there for that, thinking like, oh. if there's a sequel, I'm Two Face. This is great. So there's a little bit at the end. Got a wee bit shafted. Yeah, they had to really buy him out. It was rumored to have cost him a lot to buy him out of the contract because there's no Harvey Dent in this. But there are a couple of things that happen in the film, like even just things like the amount of political power that Shrek has as a businessman. Yeah, I think we can maybe in post, well, hopefully post Trump years, we can now see how that is. Actually actually a thing oh yeah but it maybe would have made more sense if he was a really popular political figure yeah already who maybe needed something done for some reason but he wasn't necessarily a huge character in the first one either so there was that element there was also a, a draft where marlon wayans was going to come in and play robin okay and that got shot down as well because he was a comedic actor but one of the things i just thought was kind of interesting that there were kind of like two black actors that were going to have a part in this film that ended up for various reasons not and i don't know enough about it to comment but i just thought it was interesting yeah, that is that is really interesting, particularly because it's thinking about another thing that I read about this, which was Michael Keaton and apparently Tim Burton were only super keen to sign on to do another one if it wasn't a direct sequel. Mm. So that is sort of interesting to hear in the sense of like, well, what was going on? Who was talking to? Because absolutely tracks that actually there'd be more people involved in like planting seeds yeah. to kickstart a franchise that would have more longevity than just two movies. Uh-huh. But I did read that Michael Keaton and Tim Burton were like yeah but I don't want it to like immediately follow the story of the last one it needs to be a standalone movie yeah which is interesting it is interesting particularly when you give now like Marvel Universe DC Universe like is there a film now that gets made where there isn't some sort of prospect of like you need to many... commit to six movies guys yes you must have seen these previous 17 films to understand this fucking one yeah like it's like oh Tom Holland you want to be Spider-Man well we own you for the next like 10 years of your yes. life <laughs> Which, yeah, I guess it has its benefits. Like, if you are really invested in comic would, book yeah. culture and those characters, like, and part of me is, like, I, I read a lot of comics growing up. I still do. And there's part of me, that the geeky part of me does enjoy mm-hmm. a long-form commitment to those characters. Yeah, and everyone can um, get their own deep dive as well. And yeah. I love the Tim Burton Batman films, both of them. So Yeah, they are great. There's part of me that would just, like, yeah, I would love to have six more of these that were well-crafted and went into all these great characters in depth. <laughs> I mean, we did get six more. We just bounced They're, around a lot yeah. in terms of vibe and um, which was good too yeah <laughs> maybe one day we will do a podcast on Batman and Robin maybe maybe I could definitely do one on Batman Forever I really actually enjoyed Batman Forever yeah I know we're not talking about that right now but I could talk about how how much I enjoyed Batman Forever and why I think just you can change the casting of absolutely everybody but as long as Alfred is still Michael Gough like no it's usually like oh it's it's the same people yeah sweet sassy little Michael Gough he's so sassy he's so sassy (laughs) he is yeah he's withering at at points I love him oh I love him will we Shall we yeah. get started? Let's get started. <laughs> these are our these are our initial thoughts. You know, it's interesting to me that a lot of people call the Tim Burton ones campy, and they are. They are very campy in their own way. Yeah, but they are dark as well. Mm-hmm. Nolan is sort of like presented as the gritty, more realistic, dark Batman, and that is true. But there's a darkness to these as well that's very film noir. Yeah, which I love. And creepy. It's very creepier. creepy. Yeah, there's moments you're just like, Ugh. yeah. yeah. Oh, they're icky. The presentation <laughs> of of the penguin and Oswald yeah. is is intense. It's very they're disturbing. very good. Yeah, and there's probably stuff to say about that in terms of ableism and yeah, and you know physical differences and stuff like that that 
I don't necessarily feel qualified to comment on fully. Yeah, same. I had a similar thought about not only the villainization of people with like I don't know how like people who are not like straight bodied. Yeah, he's not. It's not a disability. It's he's just it looks different. Yeah, and there is a tendency in pop culture to you know even just down to like baddies having eye patches like various. Oh yeah, facial like people, deformities and stuff yeah, like that. That becomes yeah. a thing. That's a big debate in the in the sort of James Bond yeah. uh, world around how every single time there's a James Bond villain they have some kind of <laughs> like facial thing. scarring or, or, yeah. or something that it's like, oh, that means bad. Yeah, um, um, and here they use it with hands. And also, I think there's maybe something about, like, there's definitely a film trope that's used in here about like the idea of like adopted children as like unwanted or bad. But anyway, we're not really qualified to comment on that. No. They're just little, little flags... Little flags that, we've, that pop up and we feel we need to acknowledge, but we are, we, well, we don't have a clue. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. An opinion is not a clue. <laughs> Jackie Lou don't have a clue. Yeah. Just a little niggle about, uh. Yep. And um, I think, um, yeah. I mean, with the Penguin in particular, there's something really interesting about the decision that the, the movie, like, this movie is, I have to give a big shout out. For, like, the people behind the camera mm-hmm. are always vital and super important Mm -hmm. Um, but this movie deserves a particular shout out because the production design the art direction the special effects the makeup the casting all of that is so integral to this movie's success yeah you see so Um, much about like this person could have been Catwoman this person could have been the Penguin I'm like this is a film where I cannot imagine anybody else playing any character 100% the casting is inspired yeah with Danny DeVito he's living his best life he's clearly having a ball playing the Penguin but it was um the decision around the makeup for the for the penguin, like how the character design and his prosthetics, like traditionally the penguin's been portrayed as like somebody of quite upper class with the the, mm. the suit and then and then having a kind of having a, a big nose, a big sort of bird like yeah. nose, and that's kind of the beginning and end of it. Um, yeah. Whereas they decided to kind of really go hard on the physical deformity of him and yeah, because it's like the penguin was more like he was wearing a penguin suit and like suit. just like a yeah. top and tails totally, and that was like his depiction in the comics, the early comics, and then the nineteen. 19- 66 TV series but this was the, the, the apparently they studied the curvature of the spine and the the condition where you have webbed I can't I can't mm-hmm. pronounce it what is it it's like syndactyly syndactyly yeah and that's the condition of having webbed feet or hands okay the webbing um, and so they studied all of that and sort of built it into their design for his makeup mm. and that had a direct impact on how the penguin was then interpreted in the comics and future iterations right. where he appears and Batman canon, like uh, I think it's Tim Tim Sale, I think is the comic book artist that actually started drawing the Penguin, right? With all of that built in, like putting it into his sort of origin story and his physicality that he has these physical deformities or that, that he's differently abled in some way with that that kind of mm. um, set of conditions because of this movie. So it was a it's a, a it's a movie decision that directly impacted. The, the storytelling canon. for Batman, yeah, going forward. Well, I guess if we start getting into the film, like there is a nod to the traditional Penguin depiction when we meet his dad, Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman! <laughs> that is also canon. Pee Wee Herman is the Penguin's dad. Totally trapped. <laughs> <laughs> Where we see him looking out the window, he's very fancy, he's wearing mm. a monocle or tiny eyeglasses or something. He's wearing, fancy, he's wearing rich man glasses. Yeah. <laughs> and he's hearing the screams of his wife in childbirth. Yeah, and he always has the cigarette as well. Yeah. Is a cigarette is the... holding, which is what older depictions of the penguin would have as cigarette holder. Yeah. And everyone comes running out of the room and they're very upset. 
like Very they've upset. seen something come out of a lady that is just has disturbed them they've never seen it before and he goes in and we hear a cry of anguish mm-hmm. and then there's just a very dark scene which comes off a lot worse on the parents than it does on the penguin oh, yeah. really i mean yeah. and i don't think it's i don't think that's a hot take i think they're clearly dicks yeah it's like there's a definite seed for a sympathetic origin story here yeah they're, um, they're keeping their baby in in a cage in a cage Oh, um, the baby does eat the cat. The baby does eat the cat, but sure. they don't give a fuck about the cat either. No, they're very well. They're 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 kind of um, sedated by dry martinis as well. They are <laughs> like they're heavily sedated by by their dirty martinis. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the cat disappears into the cage, never to be seen again, which is a shame. But you know, they didn't even try, did no, they? But they did have a sort of um, moment of decision, and like once the cat was gone, they were like, right, well, Tiddles is for the off, so. Yeah. We might need to address this now. Best throw our child in the river. Let's throw the child in the river, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so they do. So and, they duly do. And that's our introduction to this film. Mm-hmm. That's it's pretty dark. Get, yeah, it's, it's pretty quite dark. And we get the bassinet going down the river. Yeah, they, they take the baby to the park in the dead mm. of winter and then launch the buggy over the side of a fucking bridge into an icy stream. Mm-hmm. Like, of all the things they could have done, I'm like, guys, you really are, like... It's like, it's both bad parenting and bad murder. Yeah. Because, like... It, well, no, I don't want to sit and give people tips. But like, <laughs> like, They get rid of Oswald in a very horrific manner. They duly do. We see the bassinet floating down the river. This opening credits sequence where we see the bassinet floating... Through the river, down into the sewer, we get this beautiful... It's, it is beautiful. It's like a painting shot of the, the bassinet in the distance and we see the sort of arch of the sewer. And it's all very film noir, black and white, and it's mm. a direct reference to The Third Man, which mm. is a 1939, 49? Mm. 1949 movie with Orson Welles, directed by Carol Reed. And, uh, yeah, it's very... There's a lot of stuff like that happening in this movie. Tim Burton wears mm. his references on his sleeve. There's other bits that pop up. Citizen Kane is... It's threaded through and some oh, right, of the, okay. the, the scenes where they're bidding for the penguin to be mayor and stuff like that. So I just thought that that was really cool and um, it looks stunning. It does look great. And then we see the bassinet end up at the foot of some penguins. Some penguins. Which, by the way, I, I don't know if this is ever explained. Why why does Gotham have so many penguins in, in the sewer? So I think it's kind of implied that there's the abandoned Gotham Zoo. So it is abandoned. I just assumed, because like, I, I did clock that the zoo was there. But yeah. I was like, is it, is it operational? Is I that, think cause like, it's like frozen I mean, yeah, and like there's no animals yeah, there's, yeah, there it does look chilly presumably it was abandoned at the time because there's no attendance there yeah no like, one's hanging around there why are the penguins looking after a baby unless you know just oh, yeah. it was the 90s it was the 90s <laughs> <laughs> we didn't really understand penguin politics in we the didn't 90s understand and, yeah. it. I think what must have happened was that Gotham had a zoo Gotham's a bit of a shit show Gotham's in general weird. Yeah. and at some point the zoo shut and the penguins were living in Arctic world and weren't necessarily all removed. And so they've been hanging out. The parents have dropped the bassinet in like the park, but it's gone through the various like sewer bits and ended up at the bottom of the zoo yeah. where the penguins are, is what I think. But then also at some point he's got picked up by this circus troupe. Oh yeah. Uh-huh, the Red Triangle Circus features, gang. Yeah, that future. That, yeah, that comes in. That feels like a choice that was um, sort of made retroactively after they decided, wouldn't it be cool if like mm-hmm. the gang... Well, the criminal like, yeah. gang were circus people well it's <laughs> like that's like they've raised him and then there's like when Batman sees him on the news 
And I was like, oh, he doesn't know his parents. That's a shame. I hope he finds them. Anyway, I'm going to find some dirt in this guy. Yeah. It's <laughs> a really interesting choice. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, Bruce. <laughs> yeah. Calm down. If we're doing it chronologically, we will get to it earlier because Alfred's so sassy. He's so... It's like, <laughs> must you be, be the only yeah. lonely man beast in town? Yeah. And then like, Bruce finds dirt and he's like, do you feel better now? <laughs> yeah. like, no. no, not really. Like, no, I didn't think you would, Bruce. <laughs> Oh, Alfred. Are you, are you digging for dirt on this heroic penguin person? Yeah. Um, he does come round, though. He does come round, yeah. Bruce is right. Bruce this time. is. Um, anyway, we get ahead of ourselves. We do. I love the soundtrack in this film. I know it's Danny Elfman, and we've talked about Danny Elfman before, but like, I think this is my favourite of his. Yes, it's really, really good. And it's so good. To me, it is the Batman theme. Mm-hmm. And I think at this point, I am assigning our weary, weary producer a task here, which is to play a little bit of the Danny Elfman Batman theme and then contrast that with Hans Zimmer's theme. Yeah. basically said in my head this is the Batman theme and it hasn't changed I feel like it is present even now it's uh, am it's, I wrong yeah and it's that it, one and no 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 those are the two yeah 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 and I figured there wasn't really a dark and gritty spin on na 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 bazing <laughs> yeah and uh, he, he he assured me that I was not going mad that that is in fact true yeah. that Hans Zimmer has kept some of the the tone and chord mm-hmm. progression of Danny Elfman's original Batman theme because it is it's the Batman theme yeah. really now and so it's not that Hans Zimmer went to the drawing board and scrapped that and rewrote it entirely he absolutely used that as a blueprint and I think that's cool that is cool. I like that. And Danny Elfman still hadn't done a huge number of scores at this point. I listened to him on a podcast. It's literally with Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe just gets all of his famous friends on <sighs> to talk about them, and he got Danny Elfman on fairly recently. But they spent ages talking about Oingo Boingo. Great. Um, because <laughs> when Rob was an 80s star hanging out in LA, Oingo Boingo were playing a lot of the clubs. So they were on like the club scene. So Rob Lowe would see them <laughs> like out and about all the time. And um, Danny Elfman was telling a story about how he was playing a show as Oingo Boingo, being supported by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers got booed off <laughs> because cause they were quite new. <laughs> and people were like, no, Oingo Boingo. <laughs> Get these shirtless weirdos <laughs> yeah. off. Yeah. These guys are not going to last. <laughs> Red Hot what now? <laughs> yeah. Stupid bad name. Bring on Oingo Boingo. <laughs> so that happened. So that's so it's quite interesting. But he was talking about how when he started doing film scores, that the composer community in Hollywood was actually really snobby towards him, being like, "This what's this like rock band man <laughs> doing here?" And um, but he was like, actually, it drove me to like work really hard and come up with stuff, and and he did, and he's like. Oh, did he ever? And it's look, look how much it stood the test of time oh as well. Oh my god, it's so good. Maybe that's the last Danny Elfman gush I'll have. Oh, surely not. Probably not. Not in the history it's of not this the podcast. First. Shan't be the last. Shan't be the last. I also had the flute book of the Batman Returns soundtrack. Oh, that had the the Catwoman theme in it and everything. That's adorable. Yeah, I used to play it. That's so Jackie Farmer. I it love was it. very. It was very. I was. I was. A, I was an early fan of this. I saw this in the cinema when I was. Six. Oh wow. 
When you were six? Yeah, it was a PG-13 in America, so uh, you could go That's as long as your mum said it was fine. Found it absolutely fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's pretty scary at points. Yeah. It's got its moments. It's really like... Well, there's just a few bits, but they're quite... They're quite intense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that's our introduction to the film. And yeah. then we flip to 33 years later. We're in Gotham. We're lighting the tree. You know, I just have to come back to Gotham being weird. Yeah. It is a weird place. Like, yeah. And I know this is probably a, a, an art direction and production design choice to give Gotham a bit of a 1940s yeah. vibe. Because like, it's got a newsy. Like, yeah, it's read like all about extra. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, where are we right now? What is going on? The only person who has technology is Batman. Yeah, literally the only one. (laughs) An answering machine is the most anybody else gets. Yeah, Selena's got an answering machine. Batman's got, like, I don't know, video conferencing built into his car. Yeah, and someone has a taser. Yeah, someone has a taser. (laughs) Batman's got a CD player. Yeah, Yeah. everything else outside of, like, the Wayne Manor and Selena Kyle's apartment is a bit like, what time period are we in? (laughs) I guess that was a bit 90s as well. Not everybody had the internet yet, but some people did. Yeah. Or did people have the... I don't know. I and don't also Selena does have her moment where she's like pulling the files on the Bruce Wayne meeting for the power plant. Mm. And it's like one minute she's looking in a file cabinet and then she's like, oh, but I also hacked, hacked your, your computer. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I'm confused. I don't I'm know where confused. I am. <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway quite a lot happens in this film without us even meeting batman it's like what like 20 minutes in or like yeah 15 minutes in? we meet selena kyle she's like being treated like shit by max shrek mm-hmm. it's played by christopher walken who's very good very very hateable in this yep i think this is my first christopher walken experience watching this film and i think it's probably quite a good one it's one that's gonna leave a mark mm-hmm. i mean i find christopher walken a bit creepy in all of his roles yeah and he just brings that kind of slightly intense energy mm-hmm. and i don't think it's a an accident that the next time well maybe not the next time but another prominent time that tim burton works with christopher walken is to play the headless horseman, headless horseman in sleepy hollow oh he's so and scary he's so that. scary in that yeah and he's not that different in terms of energy from no. Max Shrek. Oh god, he's so bloody creepy. We don't know he's creepy at this point, we just know he's an arsehole. Yeah, it, but he's designed to look a certain way. Like he has this very particular his hair and his eyebrows and the way that mm-hmm. they've done his wardrobe and, and his look is very particular. And I don't know if this was deliberate, but Max Shrek, as far as I'm aware, is not comic canon, mm-hmm. but a bit of a screenwriter's in joke. Because he's named for an actor of the early 1900s of the same name mm-hmm. who played the vampire Count Orlok in the 1920s movie Nosferatu. Okay. And, uh, I know. Okay, homework. There we go. Okay. <laughs> I know about things. I did a hair flip there. Just you should. Really you could that. hear the hair flip. You could literally hear it. Yeah, so I felt like that was a choice. Like, he's... He does yeah. have a kind of like. There's no way Tim Burton wouldn't know that reference. Yeah, and it's I think it's there deliberately. Yeah, definitely. Like, and you know the fact that he is a fucking bloodsucker, like yeah, the whole the whole thing. It yeah, all tracks. Yeah, so this he's he's talking to the mayor. He wants to build a power plant. He's trying to get the mayor to basically waive procedure. He's like, I need yeah. permits. I need variances. I need tax incentives. And the mayor basically just is like, absolutely not. You're going to have to go through committees, etc. And also, we don't need a power plant. Yeah. But that actually is like, it's a, it's a pretty small, quite boring conversation, actually. But it's what makes the film happen. Yeah. Well, it's what makes bits of the film happen. Yeah, there's a, there's a central plot point there. It's a wee bit expositiony. 
Although not that expositionary because it is couched in like a board meeting, so it gives us it in a natural way. Plus, it also gives us an opportunity to see Michelle Pfeiffer enter the room as Selena Kyle and like awkwardly pour coffee across. The- yeah, she's like, <laughs> like trying to pour it. Like Max is talking to the mayor, and she's like pouring his coffee across him, but like keeping herself super low so that she's not interrupting either of their eye line. Yeah. <laughs> so like, there's just a shot where you just see her arm, yeah, like cuts- meekly reaching across. Yeah. It's so good. It's very very her funny. Arm acting is amazing yeah and she comes up behind one of the guys at the table like she's behind his chair and she's like do you want any coffee <laughs> like, it's just very funny and a brilliant introduction to her yeah i actually it's... suspect this film would have been my first michelle pfeiffer as well and again unsurpassed oh it's the pinnacle that's, it. that's my note that, yeah. that noise this is this is a michelle pfeiffer vehicle oh my god in every conceivable way yeah like her writing's better. The writing for her yeah. and her character is better. She's the most compelling and most sympathetic character in the film. Yeah. Like you and you understand why she does things she does, apart from a couple of things that we'll come to, but like Yeah. And but even um, that stuff like where there's where there's conflict there, she's probably the only one that really lives it. As an actor on a journey with a mad character. Yeah. You get all of that with You her. get all of her yeah. you really get all of her baggage very, very quickly. Yeah. Very well. But that just kind of sets up the dynamics between those characters, all three of them, and then we go and have the tree lighting, and then the uh, red triangle troop come and very theatrically dis- disrupt. Yeah, it feels like they must have rehearsed that. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> Gotham is like you know we live in Glasgow. It's not a city that's not known for crime, mm-hmm. but I don't know how we would feel about it if there was more pageantry involved. Given my understanding of myself and my sensibilities, I'd probably be like. <laughs> Okay. Okay. The production value was I very really high. I enjoyed that. That, that was good. Heist. Yeah. <laughs> I love the costumes and uh, that little backflip you did there. Oh, that was, was pretty great. good. Yeah. Rather you didn't try and tease me and drag me down the back of an alley, but, but yeah, you know, <laughs> with panache though. With absolute panache, <laughs> and I, I appreciate the 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 work that's gone into those like skull things, uh-huh, the, the, big, the big skull kind of headdress, yep. like helmet things. And I really enjoyed when they just explode out of that giant present. Yeah, like where did that come from? Like, how did that? How did they get out that out of the sewer without anybody seeing? They get so many things <laughs> out of the sewer without anyone seeing, and I'm still like, there's a moment later where the organ grinder, mm-hmm. played by Vincent Schiavelli, oh, I think yeah, his that name guy is. that's just in. He's stuff. just in stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's in Ghost. He's very notably in Ghost. Yeah, the, guy, the, the ghost that haunts the subway train. Oh right. Oh yeah. yeah. He was in an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch that I was watching the other day, and I was like, "Who's that guy? What's he in?" And then I was watching this today. And I was like, "That's that that's guy." That guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, there's so many actors who could write a memoir entitled <laughs> "That's That Guy." Yeah. But he at some point like rides a train through Gotham City. And I'm like, where were you storing that? They're all very skilled as well. I mean, they're able to turn the Batmobile into an H-bomb at some point. Oh my God, like yeah. they completely rewire figured it. that out. They figured that shit out. There's very the giant skilled. present, which we're covering, which they yeah. get fired out of with, with confetti, I might add. Yeah. Um, there's the duck. Don't get me started on that fucking duck. There's a duck. That yeah. duck annoys me. I'm like, where did you... What did you... How did you... <laughs> with that fucking and duck. And why did you? And <laughs> why did you? <laughs> also... Like you're you're mixing your bird metaphors here. Why is there a duck now? Yeah. Like I, well, anyway, I, wonder, I think there's because we're on the duck now. <laughs> <laughs> there's a duck toy in Nightmare Before Christmas that gets given to one of the little kids. Oh yeah, and it looks uh-huh. very like it's that duck. Very similar. You're yeah. right. Well spotted. That is good. Yeah, and I think the duck. <laughs> is, 
possibly a Tim Burton thing, but dear God, does it annoy me. And there's a scene later where, like, it's when um, the penguin's doing his little, like, planned save the baby, I'm a hero bit, and he's in the duck. (laughs) (laughs) And the duck has got so many features. It's got this fucking, like, cherry picker mechanism that elevates it up. And then somehow, like, the duck elevates Oswald and then it cuts and he's still rising through the the, yeah. the manhole and I'm like that duck could not fit like that that makes no sense maybe there's Sorry, another really... little elevation within the duck it's got another mechanism yeah <laughs> I just... that goes from the floor of the duck up yeah that's what I figured it had it to be, be that and I'm like where who built this duck the same people who hotwired the Batmobile I guess so they're skilled very these people are underpaid they're criminals but they're underpaid but and they must have some budget I mean yeah. I know criminals tend to steal most things but like yeah. someone and, and it you know it applies to all of Oswald's multiple Katniss Everdeen level umbrellas like he's got like an umbrella <laughs> for every which doesn't make any sense for someone living in a sewer no it doesn't rain down there <sighs> Anyway, anyway, we I'm are sorry. getting sidetracked. I'm so sorry with the duck. <laughs> that fucking duck. Anyway. I actually have a note about the duck later, but we'll come to it. I mean, you um, might as well get it over with. No, I think it'll, I think it'll be better later. Just, like, get me going again. It's quite near the end. On that fucking duck. <laughs> yeah, it's about the duck. But, um, right, so they come out, ha- cause havoc. Then we get our first Batman. He goes down. There is one thing I will say that doesn't yeah. really work in this movie, and it is Batman and his suits and his fight scenes. They're all clunky. They're all awkward. He can't move. He, can't he clearly move. can't move. Yeah. And I think that's that's been that's been sort of documented quite extensively. I think he's talked. Michael Keaton's talked about it in interviews and stuff like that. That he could not move in that bat yeah. suit. And I heard that his request for the bat suit in this film was that it has a zipper in the front. That's understandable and fair. Yeah. So that's really it. Batman comes, beats up some people, oh, saves Selina Kyle. I'm oh. taking us back just a beat or two because I cannot let. Bruce Wayne brooding alone in the dark. Oh my gosh, he does do that. Pass without comment. Because <laughs> our introduction to him is the bat signal going up and then the light floods into his drawing room or wherever he is and he is literally sitting, brooding yeah. in the dark. And then it, the light hits him and he, and he looks up and he stands with with, with such drama. Yeah. Like, Bruce, come on now. Just, just get a grip. Why were you not doing something cooler? Yeah, why were you like, why were you, or just simply just hanging out watching TV? Yeah. Like, what do you have to brood about, Bruce Wayne? Like, let's be real here. Yeah, I what's know going on with you, Bruce? You had a traumatic childhood, and I know there's some stuff that you haven't processed. And I get that you're probably a bit sad that Vicky Vale dumped you. I get all that. But also, she dumped you because you won't process things and you're get not. therapy. Yeah, it's, she probably dumped you because you just go into the drawing room and sit alone in the dark. Yeah. He says as much. I mean, which we'll, we'll he, does, come, yeah. he does. He does. He does say does. that. So, which further reinforces yeah. our theme that this movie is actually just about dating being hard. Dating's really hard because the only thing they kept from the first movie was Vicky Vale and that breakup. Because <laughs> dating's hard. Dating is hard. Yep. Yeah, so we see him, and that's the first meeting of him and Selena Kyle is when he saves her from a clown with a taser. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy the bit where, like, she tries to make awkward small talk with Batman. He's not really having it. He goes away, which is kind of rude, but which know, is quite rude. But he is busy. He, yeah, he's got some stuff to attend to. That's yeah, fair. that is fair. <laughs> well, it's like. Well, that was brief. <laughs> Just like most of my relationships. And then she looks down at the crowd and she's like, well, then there's you, but you need but therapy. You need therapy. <laughs> and then she tases him. She tases him. <laughs> and she has this really cute little like, oh. Yeah. She's got so many cracking lines. She's like, so good. And her delivery of them is, is phenomenal. She brings so much dry humour to this character. Yeah. She gets it. You can just tell that she is com- like all in. 
yeah, in this 100%. character. Like she says earlier, she's like, I have a suggestion. It's more of, well, actually, yeah. it's more of a question. Actually, yeah. And then Shrek says that fucking thing about. Well, we haven't properly housebroken Miss Kyle. Miss Kyle. Yeah. Fuck off. Fuck off. And she's like, ugh corn dog and then she makes yeah. fun of herself for saying corn yeah, dog no, the second that she she's like actually it's more of a question <laughs> corn stupid dog. corn dog corn dog like, yeah. she like <laughs> rips the piss out of herself absolutely yeah. constantly she's just like why are you like this which we can all relate to oh she's great she's um, an absolute icon so yeah Batman comes down that's the thing and then it is the penguin blackmailing Shrek they try to get him his son stands in the way and he's like yep sure That's fine right. yep. get my son I'm away son seems like a dick as well his son's definitely an arsehole he's definitely a Eric Trump his name's Chip for God's I sake I know Chip Shrek Jesus yeah so Shrek falls down this manhole and he wakes up and he, all of the circus people are there all That's the right. gang yeah. he's got he's got his gang his family the penguin is there and then he's like oh my god it's true the penguin man living in the sewer because there's been like tabloids about it but, um, and then he kind of looks like he's going to throw up mm-hmm. he has his little hanky he's like yeah. penguin man Whoop. which makes you think it probably doesn't smell great down there I have to be honest that I may think it does appear in my notes the first time you see the penguin it does hit me in a sensory way. I'm like, I bet he smells. They make terrible. him look very dirty. Very dirty. And he's in. He lives in a sewer. He does live in a sewer. And sewers also, famously do not smell good. That is what they're known for. Yes, that's true. So I don't think that's particularly judgy. No. And also, he does like have a kind of issue with like black stuff coming out of his mouth. His teeth his are not teeth. good. Dental hygiene is not readily available in the sewer. I feel. Mm. But yeah, I can smell him. And it's it is upsetting, but yeah. I think that's entirely intentional. The I whole think he's supposed to. This. Yeah, and he's lived. He's consistent on a diet of raw fish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he basically knows every bad thing Max Shrek has done because it's like if you flush it, I put it on my mantelpiece. That's right. Speech. Yeah. So the shredded document. So he makes a reference to Shrek. Like people don't know that you own half the fire traps in Gotham. And I didn't actually know what a fire trap was. And it's a building that does not that is not up to code. Mm. That doesn't have the right fire exits. May or may not have flammable cladding. So that kind of thing. And um, so he owns a lot of those, but people don't know that because he's had all the documents shredded. The penguin has pieced them together with sticky tape. Yeah. And a bit of patience. A bit of patience, yeah. And he also has the severed hand yeah. of his ex-partner How's your Fred. Partner Fred? <laughs> I think he's on vacation. He's good. Yeah. I love Danny DeVito's reaction. Like, oh, he's, he's good. <laughs> his face is so yeah, good. <laughs> Remember me? I'm Fred's hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that line as well. And again, it's it's this is the casting coming back into play, like the delivery of like there's a whole lagoon of this crud in the back when yeah. he's talking about the toxic waste. I just love it so much. I think there's something in like the Tim Burton Batman's that lets them be more comic booky, yeah, as opposed to graphic novelly, yeah. Like they're kind of they're silly, yeah. And that, silly, I mean, there's and they're camp. Yeah, I feel yeah. like he wasn't shying away from Batman's reputation for camp mm-hmm. up until this point. Because the Frank Miller, The Dark Knight Returns, which was published in 1986, that's pretty gritty. That mm-hmm. is the sort of progenitor, I guess, for what we've come to know as Batman, which is dark and broody and gritty mm-hmm. and like rooted in a real world. But, you know, also like, you know, they've been publishing Batman comics since like the 30s or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, and all of those were super campy. Yeah, and an think- emphasis on the number of brawlies this man has. Uh, Absolutely. For reasons. <laughs> and I think the stuff that Tim Burton brings into this movie that uh, that 
draws from that works really well yeah like, I think it's great well it's fun. like kind of what we were talking about at Beetlejuice of like there are certain rules that you get introduced to in a, in a Tim Burton film that they don't really tell you a huge amount it's just like this is the world go and there's something kind of nice about that because then you actually just you accept the rule it's in your head you're suspending your disbelief for the next couple hours and you can actually just enjoy what comes of it yeah as opposed to I think now and there are good things about this as well but like now in films it's like everything has to have a reason because it's going to get ripped apart on twitter yeah and we need to satisfy the buzzfeed article and and you know i just i like my superhero and comic book type movies to have a bit of camp i'm sorry yeah, the whimsy they do need that <laughs> like i mean we're talking about stuff here that is utterly ludicrous yeah so i if you can find a blend of camp and dark and a little bit of grit then that's that's for me yeah. that's the perfect cocktail for these things which and i think it, yeah. he established i think he he does really well yeah i think both of the tim burton batman films totally nail that yeah. and i think that's why they're a bit more fun they are just more fun yeah like I, don't get me wrong i, I love loved the Nolan ones or at least the first one yeah and yeah the one with Heath Ledger's Joker was pretty good too but they, yeah. they're different movie experiences and they're yeah. not necessarily what I want from a comic book movie yeah that lives much more in the sort of Marvel cinematic universe like I'd yeah. rather sit and watch a Spider-Man movie yeah okay because I'm just a bit like I like them for different reasons yeah but if I'm wanting to have a bit of comic book fun that like the reasons I read the comic books sort of sit in that campy mm-hmm. realm a bit more than it does like everything is dark yeah <laughs> I'm sad you know, I am and, like, so sad and broody Bruce is sad and broody but it's not the yeah. whole thing absolutely um, and he also has other side- he has. I feel like he has more he has other he's quite silly in this he's funny he is funny yeah there's a dryness a uh-huh. Michael Keaton dryness that he brings to it which I really really enjoy and a bit of like the dating is hard really gets him in this yeah. film and I think it's really endearing yeah he has a little bit of awkwardness and like yeah. he has some brilliant reactions to things that are just <laughs> happening that are a bit mental like either Selena's doing something weird or Catwoman or and it, it cuts to Michael Keaton just having a little like I, like I, a little I, moment what? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's really good it's really enjoyable so just getting back so we've, we're in the sewer with Shrek and the penguin penguin is blackmailing Shrek Shrek was previously quite dismissive and is now like oh okay let's be friends I'll help you great yeah I'm away and then we see Selena back in her flat getting in fantastic flat (laughs) i like her flat i love her flat it's so there are bits of selena kyle in her flat that i just worry were a bit formative and i didn't realize it at the time Uh because i was six (laughs) the immediate coming in needing to know where your cat is like i don't check an answering machine i might like flip through bumble (laughs) like there there are parallels here And a certain amount of, like, taking the piss out of yourself for the way that you live your life. Mm-hmm. Like, she listens to her answering machine and it goes through all the things. And, like, there's the guy basically saying, like, we can't go skiing because my therapist says I need to be it's by like, myself. I need not to just... not be an appendage. Yeah, she's like, some appendage. It <laughs> yeah. makes, like, a reference, like, she should have let him win that last racquetball, racquetball game. game. yeah. And then she gets a message from herself being like hey Selena this is yourself calling reminding yourself that you need to go back to the office honey and like it's very soft and very like you're your only friend and I occasionally will send myself emails I'll send it from my gmail to my work account be like hey babe just when you get in remember and do this and I I, it's a very very similar tone and I'm I didn't know where I got that from and I'm now absolutely positive that it's from Selena Kyle (laughs) and her answering machine message (laughs) I love that. So basically, you have the same origin story as Selena Kyle. Similar. I just have nicer bosses. Yeah, and maybe less um, pleather latex. Yes, unfortunately, I'm not entirely yes. sure what it is. 
I think it's pleather. It's probably pleather. Yeah. It must be. <laughs> I think it must be. And Selena's a crafter. Mm. I think that all the clues are there. She is a crafter. Yeah. This was so formative. Oh. <laughs> there are very few, apart from her gymnastic skills. Which she develops very suddenly. Yeah. Anyway, I don't have the level of revenge lust yet. Not yet. Um, <laughs> dating is hard. But dating is hard and, you know, we can snap. <laughs> <laughs> As we shall see in mere moments, in because mere moments. that's yeah, that is. But it's just quite a sweet thing. And she comes and she like she sees her cat, kind of laments the fact that her cat has a better sex life yeah. than she does, which I don't do because my cat's an indoor cat. Fair. <laughs> which is also, I think it would be a weird thing to do. <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird thing to be jealous of your cat about. But I'm not judging Selena. She has she no. has to get it through. So she has to go back to the office, pull some things for the Wayne meeting. For the Wayne meeting, because yep. Wayne is Bruce Wayne's being brought in to invest in this power plant project, and she is going through the files to pull things for the meeting. But she's doing her homework, and Max turns up after his little meeting with the penguin and she kind of drops in that she has opened the protected files which I have to say I'm I'm sorry to interject here but Mm. like when I watch the scene I'm like Selena babe you're smarter than that shh 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 babe yeah hush 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 like you are definitely smarter than this and I always wanted to like just say just stop talking uh yeah I'm boning up for the meeting Stop talking then. Like, you don't need to tell him you've been... Yeah, I just came in to pull your notes. I'm yeah. away, bye. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's, like, a part of her that wants to be respected at work, so she wants to show that she, like, understands what's going on. And that oh, Maybe yeah. she can be a trusted member of the team. That's totally, yeah, 100%. Because I think she, in this moment, there's a sort of, like, acknowledgement, like, yeah, this is this is bad. I'm not stupid. I'm aware that this is bad. I'm aware that it's, like, a power plant in name only. Yeah. There's, in um, fact, a uh, sucking... Energy from Gotham, like stockpiling it, and she gives like this upper side eye. Yeah, like it's like that's that's a novel approach. Um, and yeah, I think there's like part of her is like potentially still processing this in the moment. Like, there's a fork in the road here, and yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but well, although that decision is sort of made for her, but yeah, yeah, and it could also just be like she's a bit of an awkward character and doesn't know to just stop talking, (laughs) (laughs) which is. Highly relatable Very content. relatable. Yeah. Uh, um, babe. So Shrek shoves her out the window. Really violently. Really violently, with quite a lot of glee, mm-hmm. followed by complete indifference. Yeah. It's also hear. quite horrible that he intimidates her and then makes her think yeah. he was kidding. And then he yeah. does it. That's, That's horrible. Really, again, just such good acting from her. Like, the the tears in her eyes and the, yeah. like, the laugh of relief. And then, like, she is so good. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer is, she's is magnificent. Every, oh, she's everything. But the, a lot of this podcast is just going to be us loving on Michelle Pfeiffer. And it's going to get a little bit more intense from here because, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot to say. There's a lot the to say about her. She's five, just... five to ten minutes of this movie. She means um, a lot to us. <laughs> she does. Uh, so she falls and yeah. she hits various awnings, which I think yeah. do something to break her fall. Yeah. Because this is an interesting origin story, the way it's presented. Because I feel like other superhero origin and villain or origin stories kind of like give you a reason to sort of understand why they might have developed abilities or super strength or yeah. have been changed in some way. Yeah, like she's not bitten by radioactive cats. No, these cats seem fairly She was regular. not born with cat features no. on her person. No. She has a cat. She has a cat. She likes them. She falls through some awnings with cat faces on them, mm-hmm. which I think is the Shrek logo. Yeah. Then cats from everywhere come and like sort of like bite her awake. Yeah. 
Well, there's definitely like the one particularly zealous ginger kitty chewing on chewing her fingers. Her fingers, yeah. But I think a lot of them are just like licking her face. Yeah. It's just Tim Burton being like, she's now Catwoman because cats. Yeah. <laughs> Go. <laughs> And, and she, took a, she took a really nasty dunt to the head as well. Yeah. So there's also that. And I want an overhead shot of her lying in the snow that looks really beautiful. Oh, also that. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like a mental break. Mm-hmm. That it, it, is what it feels like more than yeah. any kind of like, I need to justify why she can now do backflips. Yes. Um, and I'm fine with that, actually. Or it's like she just always could do backflips. Well, that's true. We did not address that. Maybe Selena Kyle is a gymnast. Maybe she was a, a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she has, all the, she has all those athletic moves. Absolutely. And, you know, she wears heels every day to work, which explains why she can wear heels in her vigilante lifestyle. But we get ahead of ourselves because then we see her come home again. Yes, and I love this. And it's just a complete parallel to the first one. I have, I think I have in my notes that, like, the, her first homecoming is me coming home after work and her second homecoming is me coming home after a night out. Because it's just, like, the same, but just, like, things get spilled. Yeah. And Lamps her hair get, is a mess. Lamps <laughs> get knocked over. <laughs> Um, Straight to the fridge, but not for Miss Kitty. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just great. And then she kind of does the same track through the flat. Yeah, it's exactly the same scene, but like, yeah. That she does that. And then she puts her answering machine on. She's getting like her mother being like, why haven't you called? Why haven't you called? And then she's getting the same like cold call electronic message from Shrek's department store about buy our perfume and keep your man or like buy your perfume your boss will want you to stay late for dinner and mm-hmm. um, and then that's when she loses her shit <laughs> yeah. again also very relatable also very relatable like she just is like absolutely not I've had enough of this she starts like throwing stuff around her room she gets like that little black spray can just starts spraying yeah, everything spraying and everything and putting her stuffed animals in the, in the garbage, garbage disposal, disposal yeah. and like she just yeah she goes fucking tonto yeah and she has like these cute like pink t-shirts with cats on it she's like no spray yeah uh, sprays the inside of her doll's house and then smashes its fuck yeah with the spray canister yeah. it's great it's really good and also the doll's house actually again this comes back to like the world that they've built the information that the production designers are giving us about selena uh, you know like the doll's house sitting next to the doll's house is like a little um they're paintbrushes and like bits and bobs so she clearly like spends a lot of time by herself like doing that like yeah. painting a doll's house crafting building little worlds yeah and we don't we only get a glimpse of it before she smashes its pieces but yeah. i just think it's a really nice bit of production design because it communicates to us as the audience if you're paying attention yeah a little bit about her and how she lives her life yeah mm. quite insular um, yeah. and quite cutesy because every her whole apartment's pink yeah um, and who hasn't uh, from this moment forward wanted hello there in pink neon yeah in their room <laughs> with the o and t to be like independently switch offable depending on your mood depending on your mood 100 <laughs> depending on where you are in your cycle <laughs> <laughs> so how, just, how like, your evening has gone <laughs> yeah. yeah how did that date go <laughs> flip because uh-huh. uh, dating is hard then she yeah then she pulls out this pleather trench coat which which feels, I wonder why she had in the first place I was looking at that thinking she's either bought that on a whim and then never had the balls to wear it yeah. or it was a Halloween costume yeah I can't decide. I think those are the two options and then she clears her crafting desk yeah she pulls out her sewing machine and crafts her revenge crafts her <laughs> revenge Oh, we've all been there. Who it's, hasn't ugh. had a moment where they've crafted their revenge? I mean, not quite so literally. Choices. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's like we all we've got a revenge outfit, maybe. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, Although I have to say yeah. at this point, it just it does annoy me every single time I see it. She pulls that thing out, and I'm like, there is not enough material there to make this cat suit. There's not, and there's definitely not enough stretch to be doing. Not enough stretch. Cartwheels. But okay. <laughs> sure i'm annoyed about that in the same way i'm annoyed about the duck but i'll move on yeah <laughs> but she does it and also like you know she has used the material very sparingly because it's like very very patchwork her whole thing yeah it is an absolutely sensational iconic stand the test of time bit of mm-hmm. costume design i can't i'm sorry need can a I, moment can i have more wine please of course i'm so sorry <laughs> it's okay <laughs> The thing I like about this podcast, we can just drink wine and talk about the women we fancy. Uh, and I can't even begin. I feel like rewatching this today, I was like, oh, yeah, if there's anything that affirms for me my innate and probably everyone's innate bisexuality, it's yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. Definitely. This movie even just like the bit where she like so she's made her she makes her outfit and then we just see her like dressing it stretching up and she's just like she says that line i don't know about you miss kitty but i feel so much yummier i just i just want to i want to share it with everybody and i just want everybody to remember that they do have this in their wine bag yeah permanently lives there rent free and it's like her voice has completely changed this is the other thing I think I made it my note somewhere Michelle Pfeiffer does an incredible job of duality mm-hmm. in this like she her physicality her vocal choices she makes very distinct particular choices to yeah. show us pre Selena Kyle and post Selena Kyle Catwoman yeah. and it's it's even amazing. and it's a thing that like I think is a thing that w- women do is when you're trying to not be threatening you make your voice higher yeah one hundred percent. Oh, can yeah. I get you anything? Like la la. Like that was my version of it. Like actually, it's more of a question. It's all very apologetic. Ah, uh, when and, you're comfortable, yeah. most women's voices will drop a register. Well, not yeah. will drop a register, but like a lot of women do not have as high a voice as mm-hmm. they necessarily speak in in all situations. A higher these, register yeah. also sits with like questioning intonation. Like yeah, it's less declarative. Yeah, it's like if you're up here, you're kind of like checking if everything's okay. Yeah, and making sure that you're not getting in the way and you're not taking up space but if you're like I don't know about you Miss Kitty like if you're down here it's like it's much more I am making a statement yes and uh, those two vocal choices they, they they tell us something they tell us something about this campy silly Catwoman concept of woman falls from window is bitten by cats and therefore is a bit cat which is silly but it tells us about that because she's very cat-like, but also there is a certain, there's a very, very gendered mistreatment of her that we've mm-hmm. seen throughout the film that she has now had enough of and she's not doing it anymore. She's not being meek. She's not being apologetic anymore as Catwoman or as Selena Kyle. Yeah. And it's just very relatable. It's hugely relatable. It's also interesting that there's so much sex mm-hmm. in the choice. Like her, it's rooted in her sexuality. Like to go from like the Selena Kyle we see before, who's very like she's doing everything she can to not take up space. Yeah. So she's her body language. You can't see me right now, but I'm hunching over. Yeah. She's trying to minimise how much she impacts or gets seen. Yeah. Whereas when she's Catwoman, I'm now stretching. Yeah. She's like that. The first thing we see her do is like move and take up space and her own interpretation of her own sexuality Mm -hmm. to say I feel so much yummier yeah and that kind of like husky like it's all it's interesting how it's gendered and it's all about her 
feeling her own set. Like I feel yeah. like she's just like, I feel fucking sexy. Yeah. And I'm gonna channel that mm-hmm. and take up space with that. It's that that's an interesting set of choices. Yeah. I love um, it. It does things to me. And then that frame, that last frame where you see it's like the, the camera's all the way out, like like almost like a neighbour. Uh-huh. A voyeuristic neighbour looking across. Right. What's happened the way. over there? What's going on with her? <laughs> what's happened to Miss Kyle? Uh, what's happened to Miss Kyle? <laughs> and uh and it says hell here because she's yeah. like she's knocked out the two letters. It's phenomenal. It's artwork. I, I it reminded me again that every time I see that I'm like, I want that as a poster. I it's want great. That. <laughs> like it's, it's a frame so good. Of art. It's just such a good of all of the transformation, and I mean like a transformation from like Peter Parker into Spider-Man or like a person who's not a superhero into a person who's a superhero and every single makeover scene on top of that mm-hmm. is the best one. It is 100% the best one. It's the best costume. It's the best arc. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like the most rewarding. The yeah, it's very rewarding. It's it's also one of those moments where it's like, okay, technically in inverted commas, Catwoman's meant to be the villain or the antagonist, but I am 100% team Catwoman. You are 100% like, rooting for her this entire time. Like she does do, th- even there are bits in the film where she does things you're like, that wasn't very nice. But you know why, you get why. Yeah, and it's just I've got this in my notes actually. Um, this is probably a good point to bring it up in the the promotional campaign for this movie. The posters because each each villain, each character had its had their own like this was the the main poster which oh yeah I remember them. that. And then each had their own. So Danny DeVito was Penguin, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. The Catwoman posters kept getting stolen. <laughs> like Warner Brothers had to just keep distri- printing and distributing because it was just like to the point where police officers were assigned to patrol That's like the mad. bus stops and stuff like that that had these posters so that they could be on watch for the people coming and breaking the plexiglass <laughs> and taking these posters. To the point where, like, now, apparently, those bus ad-sized posters with Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman are worth a ridiculous amount of money. Right. I just love that so much. That's amazing. That's such a good fact. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, it just goes to show that, like, she's a hit. She's a hit with everyone. Huge hit. For every reason, for every good reason, and some naughty ones. But, yeah, so she... So we get that, and then we see a woman walking down an alley. She gets pulled to the wall by a man very clearly it's an assault and it it gets to the point where like i think he's gonna yeah he's definitely going to rape her like there's there's there undressings happening below the belt and it's definitely the way he's talking to her it's so it's grim it's very very grim very chilling and catwoman turns up Mm -hmm. and really really messes him up i just love a big strong man who's not afraid to show it with someone half his size be gentle, it's my first time. And so he comes towards her, she scratches his face up, and I think kills him by poking his eyes out. It's like, she, yeah, she goes she tic tac toe, so she kind of scratches him down. Yeah. And then poof, yeah, and then I think pokes maybe. Pokes him with the claws, and I think he is dead through the brain. I hope so. Yeah, it's not, you don't feel bad no. about that. But then it's an interesting exchange because the woman. The woman kind of goes into like ladies' bathroom in the club. Mode. Yeah, she's, she's like, like, "Oh, thanks, girl." Oh like, God, thanks. Like, I know, right? Like, she kind of goes into like, I hate that's when that the tone. Happens. Like, <laughs> and uh, Catwoman's having none of it. Yeah, so she kind of victim blames her. She does a bit. a bit. She's like, "Wait, what were you waiting for?" A big you make strong it so Batman. easy. You, you make, make it so easy, easy, don't you? Yeah. 
Yeah. She's talking to herself. Yeah. She is, and I've been doing a lot of reading about this in the Ooh. last year. I've been doing a lot of reading about how sometimes when you're dealing with trauma or people who are, are processing acute trauma, particularly gendered trauma, mm-hmm. there is a, a thing that happens where you start to enact the trauma that was inflicted upon you mm-hmm. upon other people in various ways. Not necessarily that you're out repeating the act of the thing that happened to you, but it's more like you behave in a way that is slightly problematic because that is a way of in the attempt to process your trauma it's a bit of self-talk that you project out on other people uh, okay if you understand so what you're I mean. like being your inner saboteur to other people to other people okay. exactly yeah so that's because she's talking to herself when she yeah. says you make it so easy don't you that's that's cat women talking to selena kyle right i think yeah no, um, i think you're right she's just she's projecting it onto this Poor woman. Poor woman who's just had a bit of an ordeal. Yeah. And I mean, I think there would be something about, like, if you were saved and then Catwoman was... I mean, it just... She's very nonchalant about it. But, you know, I don't want to... I don't want to judge this lady for how she's processing her own trauma. No. Um, (laughs) But she sees Catwoman there... If if it was me, I would be very confused. Yeah, she's yeah. And I think that's why it's always really funny to me when she's going into girl in the bathroom mode. We're like, thanks, babe, and it's just like I'd be like, okay, I'm not sure this is an improvement on my situation, like, <laughs> or just like, uh, who are you? Who are you? And I mean, what you is look your situation. You look hot as fuck. First of all, just gonna say you look great, which would be like, very girl in the bathroom. Of very us. girl in the bathroom. But what shade is that? You just yeah, loving the lipstick. Really love that pillar box red. It works so great on you however you just murdered that guy and that's fine that's great however Thank you <laughs> are you now going to murder are me? you now going to kill me <laughs> like i just need to be really clear on our relationship dynamic what, as it stands in what this are alleyway. we <laughs> who are we to one another right now um but she just goes straight to girlfriends which i think is fine, is fine. and you know and then and her own coping mechanism which is we all have our own and i've never been in her exact situation not that exact one no, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's particular yeah so Catwoman's like oh yeah make it so easy don't you waiting for a big Batman to come save you so she is a bit I do love the way she says Batman Batman, Batman. oh god oh Michelle <laughs> oh Selena anyway so anyway yeah the poor lady who is just really trying to get on with her evening runs off yeah alright so we've actually skipped past a whole bit where um, in between Selena being killed and coming home and being Catwoman and doing the whole thing. There's been a situation where Max has engineered a, a press conference happening oh, where they're yeah. saying like, "Oh, the tree light was terrible." Oh yeah, so the men were doing something. The, the men, men were, in the movie the were, off were off doing something. Sorry, off doing something sorry. Yeah, for, about themselves. I but mean, sure. Max has helped the Penguin engineer this situation where a clown man comes and steals the mayor's baby from this very poorly staffed the press whole conference. Situation, yeah, security <laughs> is abysmal. Yeah, and he, he takes, even has time to make a little quip before he hops off of the baby everyone's just standing around going this okay. man just backflipped into nobody our lives does and anything. stole a baby <laughs> nobody does anything yeah. where is security <laughs> and then jumps into the sewer and uh, you hear him like pretend he's like oh no it's the hideous penguin man and then he's like is very like cordially handing the baby to the penguin who comes up hands the baby over and then makes a big speech about how does he how... get out of the sewer again so I believe that there's like this um <laughs> Duck. Sorry. It's just whatever. Yeah. There's a duck. There's a duck for reasons. And. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he comes out of the sewer with the baby. He comes out of the sewer and he makes a big speech about 
wanting to know who he is, find his parents. It all feels um, fairly genuine in this moment. Yeah, and all of that seems quite genuine. And Max is like helping him out. And then there's the whole kind of like press storm around the penguin. That's right. Um, where people are like, oh, we heard the rumours of the hideous penguin man, but actually he's great. And we hope he finds his parents and he's on the news. Bruce is watching the news as Alfred slaves up a ladder at the age of 95. Oh, that's working right. on the Christmas tree. On the Christmas tree that's about 14 foot tall. Yeah, it's like, Alfred should not be on a ladder. No. Also, who put that tree up? Alfred. I think he put that whole thing up by himself. I think he does everything. Yeah, you're probably right. Oh we, maybe the tree delivery men probably also, threw Alfred a bit of a like, bone. It's just excessive. Yeah. Everything in the Wayne Manor is excessive, including his fireplace. I'm just, I'm surprised he bothers making it Christmassy, and maybe it's like Alfred makes it Christmassy. Yeah, I think Alfred's like, like doing oh, that. He doesn't have a mum. You know, he doesn't have a mum, and he's he's just got this unhealthy. He's so bad at dating. Yeah, <laughs> he's really bad at dating, and I just really wish he would just not run around town in a mask. Anyway, yeah, Alfred worries. Alfred worries, and um, um, that I, I do, I do need to point out the ludicrous fireplace in the Wayne Manor. <laughs> It's it just it, it's very aggressive. It's, it's a fucking bonfire. Like you couldn't stand in any way, shape, or form as close to that. The, your couch would be on fire. Like I'm sorry, yeah. you can't stand near that. Like, yeah, it's excessive. I'm sorry. Yeah. I feel again the duck, the fireplace. What was the other one that bothered me? The the pleather. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. It's just Tim Burton's world, and we're just living in it. And we're just living in it, <laughs> and it's fine. Because Catwoman's here. Catwoman's here. So Bruce is watching the news and Alfred's like, what are you watching? And he's just like, oh, his parents. So I hope he finds them. And it's quite empathetic. Quick cut to <laughs> Bruce looking up dirt on the penguin. And he finds, we find these, which I, I feel like there was maybe a side story that we were going to find more about that we didn't. Where yeah. there's... Um, the circus he, thing. The circus thing where he's looking back and it's like, oh, the red triangle circus troupe and the aquatic fish boy. Yeah. And there was a thing about missing children and at least one circus performer disappeared before they could be questioned. So there was a history planted there about kids going missing. Yeah. Which I don't really feel gets fully explored, but they were a, a travelling circus slash what would have been termed at the time a freak show. Yeah, um, it's sort of there and it's there in a way that's like we're supposed to read something into it because they take the time to have him say it out loud in that very, like... I'm reading this, but I'm saying it out loud for you, the audience, to absorb yeah. this information. And I wondered if, like, maybe there's, like, a a bit of a draft somewhere that got bins that was, like, how did the cobblepots justify their son disappearing? Yeah. Rather than going with, like, oh, he's just gone and we lost him or something. Maybe there was, like, oh, the circus folk that travelled through town. Oh, maybe. Like, we're pinning the blame on them. Or was there a state I, in that particular time when that was what you did with unwanted babies? Like, yeah. Or like babies who were like not quite what you thought you were getting? The, there's the implication that Cobblepot, Tucker Cobblepot, who you have rightly said is definitely a shite bag name. <laughs> it definitely is. I think tu- Tucker Carlton's just ruined it for all Tuckers. <laughs> all Tuckers. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Um, well, maybe Tucker Col- Cobblepot did it first, actually. Although Tucker, it's also just it's really incongruous with what we're like, like what we're shown of them. Tucker, who like, I don't yeah. Know. Also, imagine one not knowing your name your whole life and then being thirty three and finding out it's Oswald. Oswald. Also, like somebody <laughs> called Tucker. Like that's either like the quarterback or a golden retriever. Like I don't know yeah. if like somebody who's like. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever gone to see an opera who's called Tucker. Tucker. <laughs> And that guy's definitely been to his share of operas. 100%. And my understanding of the history of the Cobblepots is, and his dad was a political 
figure. Right. He was he was a, a Gotham political mover and shaker. Mm-hmm. So it tracks for me that like he ha- they had a child and they had a child long enough that they were keeping Oswald for a while, albeit in a cage, uh-huh. uh, and he was able to eat a cat. Yeah. So we we do see a tiny bit of passage of time from the birth to him being around, and mm-hmm. there was also a doctor and a nurse. On yeah, so people site. were aware of his. So people were aware yeah. that the Cobblepots had a child. Yeah. Now I could be like being really boringly trying to figure this out, but like that is the only thing because that that scene does strike me. I thought the same thing you did. I was like, there's something that's not been explored, explored or like, here, yeah, teased out enough. And and that was where that's where I landed. That's yeah. Where how did they how did they explain that way? I think the simplest way that can be explained away is that Gotham is a super super corrupt city. Yeah. It's a it's a ship. It's a total shit pile. Yeah. So they will have been able to either pin it on traveling circus freaks. Yeah. Um, their imaginary words, not mine. Or be like get somebody to sign a death certificate or something yeah. like they, they will be able to explain it away in a way that oh, it's yeah. corrupt enough and they have enough money to make that happen I think like the way that Max Shrek moves through Gotham society is quite yeah like kind of speaks to that like everybody hates him but everybody goes to his party yeah but Gotham also seems to be a place that operates on on public opinion yeah. as well yeah and that's a huge theme of this massive film. theme yeah Batman has found the dirt on Penguin being like, well, he's not found it, but he's just like, there's something else going on here. And I think he knows who his parents are. I'm bored and brooding and I need a reason to... I'm the only lonely man beast in town. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a funny line. (laughs) Alfred is such a little sasspot in this. And you can just like, Sammy's like, you know, in modern days he'd be looking at his phone and be like... So you must be the only lonely man based in town. Is that what we're doing here? Super's <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> that's right, Alfred. I'm glad you're paying attention. Me, well, it's all about me. <laughs> so he's like, he's now he's he's at it. Don't know how, but he is. But then it turns out he is. The next big beat is like Bruce having a a little meeting with uh, Max, and it's real yes. fun. Yes. Oh, it's such he's a being fun quite scene. sexy. He is being quite sexy. He is being sexy. And he's commissioned his own audit. <laughs> Which must have got you going. It did. Well, he comes in and there's like a, a little exchange where Max says, oh, I would offer you a cup of coffee, but my assistant's on vacation. On vacation, yeah. And Bruce is like, oh, well, you know, it's good timing because it seems like everyone's slacking off apart from the bandits or something like that. He makes a reference to like the bandits are working, nobody else is. And Shrek says, I'm not sure I like the inference, Bruce. And he's like, oh, I wasn't, I didn't realise I was making one. So it's like the little guilty conscience like, of Max being like, oh, I'm a criminal. Like- yeah. I also like that they, with very little effort, they install this kind of like, with Tim Ferrett, that Max came from nothing and has worked his way up. Mm-hmm. And he's got an issue with Bruce being born with a silver spoon in his mouth and there's like a little bit of like... Yeah, and Bruce just thinks he's a dick. Yeah. So there's like a bit of like, we're both rich men, so we kind of have to be in each other's worlds, but they do not like each other. It's a great scene. The two of them play off each other really, really well. And Max is like, did you have time to read my proposal? Like, what do you think? And Bruce is like, oh, I commissioned a report. Um, Like, throws it at him. And it's just like, Gotham has a power surplus. What are you doing? And, you know, it was just like, you know, this is just, it kind of goes with a little theory that it's just like, if Max's company had just been subject to some sort of robust audit, an awful lot of trouble could have been saved in this film. Mm. Which is why a theme of this film, as well as, you know, sexiness and not knowing your parents, is 
accountability being important mm-hmm. and checks and balances but also like the fake news of it all where Max the is just like all, yep. you know the whole conversation he has with the mayor in the start of like oh I cringe to think of like how the lights are blinking on and off in Gotham and it's awful but everyone's saying there's a surplus and he knows fine well there's a surplus because he's going to use the power plant to suck power and stockpile it and Bruce is on it because he has compiled his own audit of the data available and that right there is is like I like it. That's hot. It's hot. That is hot. I like sexy in a different way. Selena Kyle is bringing us very overt sexiness, and Batman is giving us audit sexiness. Yeah, it's the. I'm here for both. I like Bruce Wayne when he's just being a big old nerd. Yeah, and we don't get enough of that in future (laughs) uh, renderings of Batman, and I think that's one of the enjoyable things about Michael Keaton's Batman. Yeah, um, he's he's because in the first one he has a whole thing about like oh let's go figure out the chemistry yeah. and what Joker's done. Yeah, he's like oh it's not deodorant, it's not shampoo, but it might be like this deodorant and this shampoo. Yeah, put together will make this like he works it out because he's bloody clever and a nerd. Yeah, which is far more enjoyable I think than future interpretations because the the Bruce Wayne of it all, mm-hmm. if you like, becomes such a thing in future. Batman. It's much more I'm going to use my privilege yeah, as It becomes a little like, you're a delusional billionaire who thinks you can solve all of everyone else's problems. Yeah. Because you see it through one lens. And I'm going to throw money at these problems as yeah. well. Or violence. Like, or violence. It's <laughs> yeah. all money or violence. It's actually very little, like, there's not really a huge amount of like subtlety or finesse, mm-hmm. which I think the Michael Keaton Batman does really well. And so I just really liked that, that he actually isn't like, he doesn't need to be Batman to smack down Max Shrek. He just needs yeah, to be Bruce weird. Wayne having some scruples and some friggin' data. And so confidence as well yeah and which is provided to him in some aspects through the data yeah because data will back you up yeah Um, (laughs) but his confidence just goes out the bloody window when Ms. selena kyle comes through the door he becomes such a goob he becomes such a goob his face is just doing things he does not know what has hit him when yeah. she comes in, like you're talking about, like her taking up space, like her hair has become huge. Her hair is bigger, yeah. And she is just like languor yes. is the word. She's fluid now. She yes. Kind of, she pours herself into the room. Yeah. And it's she saunters. It's great. It's real great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Max is pretty discombobulated. And Which is great. She's got some killer lines in the scene as well because he keeps saying Selena. Yeah. Selena. She's like, that's my name, Maximilians. Yeah. <laughs> Don't wear it out or I'll make you buy me a new one. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Bruce cannot contain himself. He has no chill. I mistook me for someone else. Yeah, because he's, he's like, oh, we've met. Because he did meet her. Yeah. <laughs> I did. We did? We've met? Oh, I mistook me for someone else. <laughs> yeah. I mistook you. Mistook, I mistook you. You mistook me? And you it's mistook, like, what did I you say? Me. Yeah, and he's just... I didn't, I didn't say that? No. <laughs> it's, it's like, he's a mess. He's a total mess. And it's great. It's It's so so endearing. It's so good. The only thing that is lacking in this scene is I just... And I know Christopher Walken's focusing on Max reacting to Selena in the room, but if he'd just given me a little bit of, like, just a a kind of tiny little peppering of, like, reacting to Bruce reacting to Selena, that would have made it perfect. Yeah. But, like, Max is just doing... Because... also she's come in and they're in the middle of an argument where he's basically said if my secretary was here I'd have her escort you out Yeah. and then she comes in he's just like oh wait what <laughs> and then then this whole like strange sexual chemistry thing happens and then <laughs> kind of like uh 
okay will you just show Mr. Wayne out then and then she's like sure and then takes him by the arm and just yeah, like, like sexually like, drags him out the takes room him, like, like takes him by the arm yeah. like, it's the same energy as when men put their hand on the small of your back yeah. and not in a welcome way like to either yeah. like guide you, usher you like move you to where they want you to be mm-hmm. it's that same energy Yeah, but she's like she, she takes him by the arm and it's <laughs> when Bruce tries to compose himself by getting out of the mistook me, mistook you and he's like he he approaches her with because she's got the the plaster on her head and and he's like what happened? And I love the Mm -hmm. whole like Max doing a you you, you must have hit yourself you must have injured yourself on a ski slope on your vacation right? And her whole like it's a blur like like not total amnesia like I just and the love like her like I remember like Sister Mary Catherine throwing up in church I remember the day I didn't wear underwear to school and the boy who noticed was Ricky Friedman. Ricky Friedman, yeah. He's dead now. That's, it's so good. <laughs> it's just it's such a, a good, like, it's, yeah. Oh, I love it. It goes from, like, this nostalgia, Ricky Friedberg, or whatever his name is, yeah. and then she goes, he's dead now. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's again, it's the dropping cadence. And like, yeah, it's like it's, she kind of goes back into, like, ditzy and overshare. Yeah. And then he's dead now (laughs) you're just nailing this it's so good I don't like to overuse the phrase understood the assignment oh but But, like I mean she she really did she did and and did extra work for extra credit yeah yeah, so she escorts Bruce and they have this exchange about like you don't seem like the type that would work for Max Shrek and you don't seem like the type that would work for me that whole like we are finding commonality neither is like him and then the great like a great scene when he's in the lift and she's not and uh maybe i could take you out sometime and we could talk about that some more or something and she yeah. goes i'm listed i'm tempted i'm working i'm leaving because <laughs> she's just pressed the button for him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's michael keaton kind of going oh oh the, the lift doors are closing yeah. like we were having a thing and it's just the only time and because we've had we've already had a full film with this man and i don't think you see him flustered no in it yeah it feels like a very deliberate choice for him to go I'm going to find some humour here yeah because even when he's on a date with Vicky Vale and Batman it's all very serious it's very serious and he's in control yeah you know he's wooing her and like she you know it's not like she's putting his hand or anything at all but like he is much more confident with Vicky Vale than he is with Selena Kyle he just does not know what to do with her the energy of Vicky Vale and Selena Kyle is also drastically different yeah and I don't know if that's got something to do with it there's also something about like it's I can't I need to rewatch first Tim Burton Batman to remind myself if there's any of this levity or like little like flirty sparkle that Michael Keaton brings to it mm-hmm. in this movie but all of that is to say that it's missing from every every other Batman movie apart from maybe no in fact I was going to say Batman Forever but it's actually all the villains it's all the villains that do a lot of that work yeah Batman himself remains very serious very serious very moody very straight man I certainly can't think of of George Clooney no, I think he did yeah. much. Uh, yeah, he will openly were... admit himself that he nearly killed Batman. So, <laughs> George, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on to discuss it. <laughs> no judgment. <laughs> we know you did your best. I was watching a Michael Keaton interview. I think it was right before we did Beetlejuice, and he was on a film where he had a small part that George Clooney had a really big part, and George Clooney apparently kept referencing like the Brotherhood and be like Brotherhood, and like took eight, and Michael Keaton was like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" And it took him, and someone was like, "You were both Batman." 
<laughs> and he was like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> right. Right, Michael, I can just speak really, Michael, oh, yeah, well, I was Batman. Totally. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know what you did, George. Some of but it I... was your fault, some of it was not. Yeah. Like, stop trying to make brotherhood happen. <laughs> yeah, it's like... not got good comedy. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> stop. I haven't seen the first one recently, but I have seen it a lot. And I think there's, I think there's, it's flirty, but I don't think it's funny. Right. And there's bits where, like, she thinks he's funny and he's being charming, but he's not being flustered. Yeah. It's a dynamic between the characters and the because and I what's think, happening here, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And I think, like, the thing with the romance between him and Selena Kyle is that they're actually, like, kindred. Yeah. And understand each other and are the same and have the same like arguably shouldn't be together because they're they have they're probably gonna bring out the worst in each other isn't that just the best isn't that what we ship would we <laughs> ship really hard is. when it's really shouldn't work and i'm sure we'll come on to this because there's more selena and bruce and catwoman and batman Stuff. back and forth but i have a lot a lot to say on the whole relationships working when they shouldn't in chemistry and, and yeah. all of that and how that translates into movies and TV and why we write fan fiction and blah 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 but we'll yeah. get it. The next bit is men. <laughs> Feel free to skip. We'll put in the we'll put the timestamps in the notes. So you know when we get back to Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> About whom this film is. Um, so men. <laughs> so men. So the men are doing things. So um, <laughs> Can we just skip the right? Like the men are doing things. Then the men did something. Yeah. <laughs> and back to Selena. <laughs> the big plan is to frame Batman for the murder of the Ice Princess so that the penguin can blame the surging crime in Gotham on the mayor's over reliance on Batman, who has proven to be a psycho. That is the plan, but that's Selena Kyle's plan. That is actually Selena Kyle's plan. Yeah, because she's the one yeah. that says no, no, no. We have to. Yeah, that's right. To break him, we have to make him the thing he hates the most, namely us. Namely us. Yeah. You're right. It's the Selena Kyle plan. It's the Selena Kyle plan, which I think is brilliant and completely hits the nail on the head. And she gets it. Uh, neither the Penguin nor Batman have met Selena yet. They've not met Catwoman not, yeah, yet. Yeah, they've not met Catwoman yet. So the in between them, we must get her in the another iconic in Catwoman the, Michelle Pfeiffer scene. Yeah, she just hates Shrek. She's she's just she here decides to fuck to go up his shit and fuck like, up his shit, <laughs> yeah. cause some property damage. Yeah, which I love it's so good so she's in the department store and i think like the iconic scene of it is when she whips the heads off the mannequins and there was that video that went around mm-hmm. fairly recently yeah it was really recently like yeah somebody had found a piece of footage that was filmed by a crew member that filmed her doing this in one take or mm-hmm. doing most of it in one take uh and actually whipping the heads off the mannequins mm-hmm. and then there was of course a bit of mansplaining we're like well yeah it's all very impressive and stuff but she's obviously not whipping the heads off because actually you can see the wires and the the crew members pulling the heads off the mannequins before the whip hits it and blah blah blah, blah why blah, don't blah, blah. the men of twitter just wind the men of twitter they're and also if you're listening almost definitely not you <laughs> because <laughs> I think he would have stopped a while ago oh yeah I don't know if you'd be listening <laughs> if you were these men of twitter men of not twitter. you lovely man um, whoever you are whoever you are men of twitter <laughs> you need to take a seat the men of twitter who are gonna just poke holes in Michelle Pfeiffer doing anything they would never or just are not ever welcome. be able to poke holes in Michelle Pfeiffer um, <laughs> I'm so sorry she trained like nobody's business for this movie. Gymnastics, yoga, fight choreo, like the yeah. whole bit. 
she learned how to use a whip from the same person that trained Harrison Ford how to use a whip for Indiana mm-hmm. Jones. She knows what she's doing. Whether or not... Because there is a cut. Like, the, when you watch the movie, the first three, yes, could conceivably have been done in one take. Uh-huh. It does cut, and then you see the fourth one. So, yeah, maybe maybe she didn't do all four in one take. Oh, no, she's but, shit. Yeah, fire her. Fucking fire her. But she <laughs> She'll does, never work again. Yeah, yeah, she... she she achieves, and we've now seen video evidence. Like you can hear the 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 crew erupt into applause yeah. in that video. Like it's it's hot as fuck, and it's amazing. It She's amazing. I love this scene as well because you get the the cartwheeling with no heels, and then she lands. Yeah, the cut where you see her land, and she's in heels, heels, like spike heels. It's it's great. I love it. And she does a lot of really fun stuff. She she does the skipping mm-hmm. rope with the with the whip, and then encounters the security guard. Yeah, I don't know whether to open fire or fall in love. I know they're from the same acting school as the bus driver in Hocus Pocus. Pocus. (laughs) Although I do prefer, I do prefer that line. I don't know whether to open fire or fall in love. Like me neither, mate. Got you. I get. I feel you. They're just like quite quickly like, Jesus, lady. Our take home is less than three hundred. Our take home is less than three hundred. You're overpaid. So they get away and she comes out. Penguin and Batman are talking about oh they're having the a thing kind of bullshit men shit that they the have men on. are talking the over men here. are talking about the stupid things they're doing and running for mayor or something. Although this is the first example because I I came to the conclusion at the end of the watch was that all of Batman's lines are terrible. Yeah, and I think it's this scene where one of them is particularly well, it's very uh, like I'm rubber your glue like yeah. it's very like I know you're not but what am I yeah like it's like it's one of those ones that you'd react with like what like yeah i think like oswald copperpot says something like the penguin says something like there's lots of you know exposition here i i am the villain this is my plan and then he has a thing where he goes things change and then batman says that back to him like a few lines later but it it doesn't connect it doesn't doesn't land it's like the penguin's line is you don't really think you'll win do you and he's like things change i'm like are you losing now batman yeah like what there's like a defeatist place to start from bruce (laughs) i'm sure there's a deleted scene where penguin's like "Uh, what wait what like (laughs) are you losing am i am i winning are you are you agreeing like i I, what does that mean (laughs) what's changing for you like Who's changing? You mistook you mistook me for who? Am I like what? <laughs> Do you fancy me? What? <laughs> uh, and then saving Bruce, not for the first or last time, yeah. is comes Catwoman cartwheeling out of the department store. Yeah. And then she just says meow and the place blows up. Meow. <laughs> yeah. And Sorry. there were hand gestures there. I think you probably heard the panting. Yeah. The panting's key. The panting the is panting key. The panting is absolutely key. Um, I was just going to sh- skip straight to Meow for the sake of narrative. No, yeah. the people can't and see us. She looks to the two of them and she, she has her arms up like she's done, she's like landed this, like, yeah. Like nailed the landing, arms are up, she's panting and then she drops her hands and she looks at the both of them <laughs> like, men meow <laughs> what are you guys doing I don't care yeah bye <laughs> <laughs> and then she just shimmies up a she, building that that bit also <laughs> somehow somehow <laughs> it also looks like somebody's like picked her up and thrown her at the building it does not look like she's having an easy time of it she's very like <laughs> she looks like one of those you remember those sticky things you had in the 90s where you threw it at the yeah. wall and it like would stick and then start to like, like yeah. slinky its way down. Like she looks like one of them. She's but. essentially trying to do a pull up off the side of a building and it's hard. Yeah. And then the penguins all 
then Penguin turns his brawly into a helicopter. It's a whole thing. He says, I saw her first, mm-hmm. which is what we're all thinking, to yeah. be fair. Like, no, you didn't. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> you did not. <laughs> then we have date night. We have date night <sighs> on the roof of a building. Oh, that date night. Okay. Yes. I forgot, date, about, I forgot about date night date number night. one. Yeah. Date night number one. Mm-hmm. There's two. This is Catwoman and Batman. Yeah, this is Catwoman and Batman date, date night. night. Sorry. Yes. There's Selena and Bruce date night later. Also great. But this is Catwoman and Batman. Yeah. And uh, this is so great. So hot. So sexy. So fun. And you know, Catwoman and Batman, they are in a relationship. They are. <laughs> Neither of them's quite sure when that happens, no, but they both are aware of it. They are aware. <laughs> it's happening. It's in the it's in the canon. It's in various different ways. I think currently they are I think they're engaged. I don't know. <laughs> but like they are this is a thing. It's on again, off again. It's should we be together? We don't know if it's that healthy, but we're so attracted to each other. Chemistry. Should we do this? Should we not? I love all that. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's what we live for. Oh, it is. It's, it's good. What we live it's for. good stuff. <laughs> it's great stuff. <laughs> and that all of that is happening in this scene. They fight. It's, it's that kind of like fighting is foreplay kind of fun mm-hmm. stuff, which takes place in all of our favourite ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to share something at this joint. Did you follow any of the uh, whole... <laughs> let Batman eat pussy thing that happened. I think I maybe saw a bit of it possibly because you tweeted about it. <laughs> I don't think I... I don't... Shh! Be quiet, Google. I know that you're excited about this too. We're all excited about, excited about Batman eating pussy. We are. <laughs> I was like, boobity boob boob. <laughs> um, right, do you I, have the context for this? Because this might drive you a little bit mad. I know that. I know the broad context yes well for for our listeners who don't know about this who are who have lives and other things that they spend their time on (laughs) batman and catwoman in a relationship it's a thing you know fine there is a animated series that centers around harley quinn currently in the dc universe that is out there and it's r-rated it's an adult cartoon right and in this adult cartoon there was going to be a scene the writers wrote it in that batman and catwoman because they're in a relationship Batman was going to go down on Catwoman and it was going to be a thing that we would see. Like, not like graphically, but it was like, yeah. that. it was it implied. Was in the story, it was implied. Yeah. And um, DC nixed it. They went, no, absolutely not. You can't do that. You cannot do that. And the writers and the people involved in the series were like, what, why? Like, like we're doing all sorts of other things. Like, there's actually a queer love story at the centre of uh, Harley Quinn's animated series because she's now, she's hooking up with Poison Ivy now. Oh, I have seen that about that as well. Yeah, yeah. that's very So, intriguing. like, it's a thing. People hook it up, it's fine. But apparently, according to DC, in the context of, like, Batman giving Catwoman head, heroes, apparently, don't do that. Uh, only heroes do that. <laughs> only heroes do that. <laughs> Exclusively. Like, heroes you know, do like, that. Yes. Uh, so the, the, Nobody who doesn't do that as a hero. Well, <laughs> what is this obsession with it being some sort of like it's like non-masculine or it's like weak in some way to care if the person you're sleeping with is having a good time? Oh, it's not like, even that. What is that? It's specific to Cunnilingus. Yeah. There is okay. this gendered. It, this goes back to the fucking Romans and the Greeks. Like there is this thing about eating pussy, but given a woman head specifically that is considered weak, wrong, perverted, deviant or in some way negative or bad and it, like this lit, like there is books about this shit. Mm. And it's for Batman our hero to be 
debased or weakened to the point that he gives a woman a head, that's not okay. Now, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm in no way saying that the heads of DC yeah. were as academic or as intelligent to recognise that that was their response, but this goes back, like, this is in the patriarchal canon, like, right. it's, it appeared in The Sopranos. It's a plot point in The Sopranos that one of the capos, one of the heads of the family, mm-hmm. Was like was going down on his girlfriend on the regular yes, basis. Yes, I remember that. And, and it got out because she happened to share it with somebody in the beauty salon. And when the guys got wind of it, they started making fun of him. And he like, it's, there's this horrible scene where he dumps her really violently and aggressively, mm. and is like, "Fuck you, you fucking whore slut!" Mm. Pushes a cake into her face and like pushes her against the wall. Yeah, and is and breaks up with her because it's you have destroyed my reputation by letting people know that I. I perform oral sex on you because men don't do that. It's like a it's like a weak thing. But then doesn't that just make you feel horrible about the other way around as well? And what oh does that God. symbolize to people as well? Like one hundred percent. It's like anyway, we could do yeah. a whole other podcast on it, and there are other podcasts on this subject. Yeah, that's so depressing. It's horrible. But the the like further development of this story was uh, Zack Snyder, who's I guess the unofficial keeper of Batman, <laughs> official or unofficial. <laughs> tweeted this picture uh, to this day no one can confirm or deny who this should be attributed to because it looked like a, a frame from a graphic novel it looked like Frank Miller drew it it looked like from his style and it was an image of like it's like you can see Catwoman's head her head's thrown back in ecstasy and Batman's at the other side eating her out and he tweeted this picture and just with the caption canon <laughs> which I just loved and everybody lost their mind and still people are like who drew, did Zack Snyder draw it who drew it because mm-hmm. there's no like existing frame in any comic book where this took place but I just love that it caused this online furore which it should absolutely should yeah. like to say like heroes don't do that what is just like his mask is ready made for that like he's cut like his you know his mask is like you know it's been designed to allow I him mean, to be able to do a, that yeah <laughs> And he's a he's a nice man. I think he absolutely, and I think he would absolutely <laughs> happily go down. I really Listen. suspect that Bruce Wayne is a man who cares if the person he's sleeping with is having a nice time. Yeah, and it was funny because one of the arguments I, I read that the the writers of Harley gave was like, "What's well, so what you're saying that Batman can't is not capable of pleasuring a woman?" Like, think like, what are you saying? Why is that masculine? Like, I don't why understand what you're to getting be at. Yeah, bloody shot for like yeah. hashtag let Batman eat pussy. Fucking hell. God. I'm starting the campaign here, guys. Get behind uh, it. Was this a, was that a live hashtag? I hope so. I just put it in my notes because I thought it was funny, but I, I can't. I'm oh, not clever. Be... I'm not clever or funny enough to have come up with that first. Somebody absolutely must have started that. Well, no, you are clever and funny enough to have come no, up with that no, first. I, somebody must have done it before me. I, I'm not even convinced. I thought of it. It's probably been implanted in my brain from discussing it with strangers on Twitter. We can look it up. But that's shocking and it very, is shocking. very upsetting. And you know, dating is. Hard. hard. And I'm sorry, two people who run around in latex and I mean it's leather. It, it's, it's, I mean it's not even <laughs> a kink. Masks. That is like like Carolingus is not a kink, and these are two people who are almost definitely into kink. One hundred percent. Like this She's doesn't even touch the surface. And the various bits of, of fan these fiction are into. that exist of this, <laughs> screeds and screeds, like tomes of fan fiction that must yeah. exist on this. She's brought that whip home, 100%. Yes. And they are long-term. They are long-term in the comic books, Batman and Catwoman. That yeah. is the relationship for the weren't. ages. It's, it's, a, it's not a revolutionary act, or it shouldn't be. No, exactly. Exactly. You could absolutely 100% have your first fight on a rooftop and do that, and 
there should be no judgment. Yeah. But anyway, that's not what happens. It doesn't in happen scene. in Tim Burton's <laughs> Batman Returns. It should. They actually just doesn't. have a fist fight. They have a fist fight. Catwoman does do a little bit of like, where are you? Kind of like, who's the man behind the mask? And she does a little like, that's not you, that's not you. And then yeah. finds a chink in his armour, I guess, the soft spot. And he's just letting it happen because... He is, because he's gone. He's gone, yeah. <laughs> well, he's pussy drunk. He is. I mean, like, we've seen Bruce Wayne... Every sense of the word. Yeah. <laughs> we've seen Bruce Wayne be a bumbling idiot over Selena Kyle, and now Batman is doing the exact same thing over Catwoman. And it's interesting that that's, like, both dualities are having the same effect on each other. Mm-hmm. And then she stabs him in the side. Yeah. With one of her little cat claws. And then he's... Oh, well, actually, I'm so sorry. We've missed the most important part. Is in the first time he hits her. Oh, no, this is it. Like, he stabs... She does. She stabs him and then he hits her. And she hits the dick. And she has that fucking brilliant line. Yeah. How oh, could you? you? I'm, I'm a woman. woman. <laughs> and then he used to be like, oh, like, oh sorry. Like, yeah. <laughs> Then, she's then like, she yeah. stabs him in the stomach with her nail. Yeah. And then he flings her off the top of the building into a uh, lorry of kitty litter. Yes. And she's like, saved by kitty litter. And she laughs. <laughs> she's just like, ugh, bastard. It's the best <laughs> delivery of bastard in the... Ugh, <laughs> bastard. Like, it's so, so good. It's so good. It's like... There's nothing she does in this that is not just... So good. Yeah, that's um, take night number one. I feel, I don't know about how they feel, but I felt it went well. Yeah, like. it went really well. Then <laughs> we cut to Selena in the street in the best coat ever. That coat. This sort of like Dalmatian-y, big sleeved mm-hmm. cinch waist number that is just so good. It's looks lovely. so warm, it but looks still great. so flattering and like so great. Um, and she's wearing that. She's just like, what are you doing? Staring into a shop window. Like, yeah. asking herself why she is the way she is. Who hasn't done that? Yeah. And then Bruce Wayne is like, oh my God, Selena Kyle, imagine seeing you here. They have, like, this cute thing where they're walking down the street decrying tabloid news. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, Selena starts it being, like, Catwoman thought to weigh 140 pounds, which, by the way, is not an yeah. unhealthy weight. Absolutely. Anyway, yeah, we just really like to point that out because when she says that, I'm like, that's, that's fine. That's ridiculous. And she's like I don't know how these hacks sleep at night but also this is the second reference in these Tim Burton films where they comment on a woman's weight where the weight is not a thing because in the first one there's a scene when Batman and Vicky Vale are escaping from the Joker and he's about to use like his little grappling hook thing and he's just like oh how, he, he's like how much do you weigh and she's like oh 108 I think and he like pulls her up and then at the top he's like <laughs> he's like you weigh a little more than 108 and she's She's like, oh, really? And she's like, that's not a bad thing. You should. 108's like <laughs> nothing. Unless, I mean, and there are people whose frames and metabolisms and, you know, that is a healthy weight for some people. But like, there's but there's, the- there's a Tim Burton Batman thing about women should not be like 140 pounds is somehow clinically obese. And it's not. To be fair, it's probably not just Tim Burton. It's, it's the not. 90s. It's the this, 90s. Was a, this was a yeah. running gag throughout all of film and television mm-hmm. for a painfully long period of time. I think it's only I would say it's only in the last fucking le- probably less than 10 years that this has become mm-hmm. less of a go-to joke and again it's so gendered because it's like hers is like Catwoman thought to weigh 140 pounds and his is like Batman blows it and it's like yeah. and he's like he probably saved 10 million dollars in property damage alone and it's like right so okay that's fine but like 
in fairness, probably Selena Kyle wouldn't have cared about anything else that they say about her in the tabloids. Yeah. She doesn't care that she caused property damage. She doesn't care about anyone. But just like the facts of the facts <laughs> and stats. And also what I guess hacks in the 90s would have reported about women. Yeah. Then, fair enough. It's not Selena's yeah. fault. But this scene also, they make date number two. They make date number two. Basically, they are talking about the tree lighting ceremony and how neither of them are going to go because that's lame. Yeah. Oh, you're going to come, like, do you like want to come around tonight and watch a movie? It's like. No, they're going to watch it on the telly. They're going to watch it on the telly. <laughs> have an early dinner and watch it on the telly. Yeah, because they both have things to do. They have things to do, places to be. <laughs> and that does lead us to date night number two. There's this quick scene in between where the penguin goes and, like, deals with the ice princess, like, sets up her kidnapping. Like yeah, it's... she's like, oh, women are thick. Whatever. Yeah. What a what a clever joke. Yeah, that bit's stupid. We don't need to talk yeah, about it. We're not yeah. going to talk about that. It's just integral to the plot in terms of like how to get from point A to point B. <laughs> the death of a woman or the, the peril of a woman yeah. is integral to the plot. And the only person the whole film who cares about it, by the way, is Catwoman. <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> like legit. Like it, it's it's the one thing that causes her to stop and go. Wait, hang on. You said Am you were making the right her. choices. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the men do something and then men we're back to Selena. <laughs> men do things. Selena's on a date. <laughs> <laughs> in front of that ridiculously large fireplace which I'm sorry would be melting the skin off their faces if they were yeah. sitting that close to it especially if she I? has a burn on her arm that would be smarting that would be smarting yeah. and then we have a, a quick debrief about Bruce's Vicky, Vicky Vale yeah. yeah Vicky and she's like stewardess or again something. another again, little moment from the alleyway like, yeah another an little of the alleyway like yeah. oh well her name was Vicky what like you know like come on women supporting women Selena yeah. come on we're all we're all friends. Get with the program. Um, and he's like, no, uh, she was a f- actually a photojournalist, and like, actually, she had a super cool job. <laughs> and, and he's like, he's actually doing good work here because he's sort of like, no, actually, I told her everything, and uh, I think actually, she, like, there's a bit of he's like, fair. he's still he's, being fair. He's to very her. fair. Like, like he, the implication being, I told her everything, and she couldn't really handle my duality, but that was not her problem; it was mine. That's yeah, what I'm drawing. Yeah, he's from like, that. you know, she had oh, because you kept things from her. And he's like, no, I told her everything, but there's there's two truths yeah and she had trouble reconciling them because i had trouble reconciling them from which i say he's like just get therapy yeah bruce but then selena gets that as well because of course she does but then she has this whole thing about like she asks him a question about the duality aspect of it and he says well if i say yes then you'll think i'm like a ted bundy manson type and you won't let me kiss you which i'm like Having been on about a thousand dates this year, I don't know how I I would have read that red flag. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you bring that up? <laughs> why would you bring that up on a date, Bruce? Yeah, it's a weird thing to say. Don't compare yourself to. Let, let's not reference a serial killer <laughs> in a romantic yeah. moment. Men who systematically murdered women. Yeah. Because of their issues with women. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, just don't. Mm, um, weird. But anyway, she sidesteps it, launches herself on him. Oh, she says more. Yeah. She does more than sidestep it. She says, "Sickos don't scare oh, me." Oh, that's right. At least they commit. At least they're committed. <laughs> they're committed. Yeah. It's a little pun. Um. Yeah, that's true. So and then she launches herself. They have a big kissing section. But then also she kind of gets his wee sore tummy. He gets her sore arm, and then they're like, "Oh crap, can't do this." 
and then it all kicks off down at the tree lighting ceremony and they have to leave yeah. and they both have like a not very not before the rom-com moment not before the <laughs> rom-com moment and where is the Batman Catwoman rom-com we need it I want it we want it I want it badly <laughs> I, I mean I think technically if you got yourself into the comics you could get a, you could get it a little bit there's a lot yeah. going on in the comics okay over the course of time I've, I mean I've not even read them all I am just I'm aware of the relationship as, as it's occurred in terms of like, will they, won't they? Will they get married? Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, Catwoman in the comics, like they, they are engaged and she <laughs> she like steals a $58,000 wedding dress, like goes and robs it, like property damage style, like she does in the movie and just doesn't tell Bruce. <laughs> Which I love considering the fact that he's a billionaire. Yeah. Uh, um, but yes, anyway. The, yes, I want this rom-com. Yeah, just the bumbling, like Bruce comes out, says to Alfred, like just, you know, tell her something came up tell her this and then he's like you know and then he's like tell her like not in a lame like be my girlfriend way but and alfred's just like yes just go just go just go and then she comes running out she's like alfred um so i have to go i have to go just tell him i had to feed my cat i mean but also tell him that you know i didn't really know i could feel this way no no don't tell him that <laughs> don't just tell, him, tell that. him that you know there's been like a real awakening no um <laughs> can you not just think of like a sonnet or a dirty limerick or something it's just like one has just sprung to mind <laughs> she's like great bye and it's just so good oh it's, it's so sassy I love, I love it so it. much <laughs> yeah it's great and it's just like I just love Alfred in this film because by this point you know him well enough from the previous one where you're just like Alfred has just seen so much yeah. he's raised this weird little boy into this weird man and has such like a well of kindness in him and such a tolerance for like peril and strange yeah. that he is just at this point bloody going with it <laughs> There's this also is like, like fine. And this You've is got not... a shifty secret. I don't need to get involved in that. Bye. Yeah. There's lots of little moments of comedy and 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 kind of like the fishy swaz thing, the cold soup bit, which is it's very supposed cool. to be cold. Be cool. And uh, and like I love the scene where it's like I think it might be a wee bit later on in the movie where it's like right I'm going to go down to the lair and he does the thing where he puts yeah. his hand in the fish tank and the the Iron Maiden thing opens yeah. and like he's like I'll take the stairs. <laughs> like there are stairs yeah. Bruce what are you doing you're so extra Bruce you're being really if, extra if Alfred can take the stairs by the time you get to your car yeah and he arrives down there at the same time yeah. that you, you do. can also take so, the stairs Bruce yeah. you just like getting into your weird Iron Maiden yeah why do you even have that Bruce it's really weird <laughs> Uh, so sassy Alfred love him so the date night 2 gets cancelled they run off to deal with the tree lighting ceremony Mm -hmm. and then I think there's kind of a date night 3 it just doesn't go as well is that the party uh, no, 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 that's date night four. Okay, what's date night three? Date night three is like they do Batman and, and Catwoman have a little tussle again in response to the tree lighting ceremony. And oh, the, yeah. And the, um, well, the ice princess is there tied yeah. to the chair. And yeah. he has terrible lines. Eat floor. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> and she just like chucks a chair at him. Yeah. And yeah. this is the scene that ends with uh, the mistletoe thing. Yeah, where he says, why would you say that? And this is maybe just being like Bruce Wayne is lame and yeah. dating is hard. And awkward. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, yeah, they're having a fight. She's lying on top of him on a roof and he sees mistletoe. And he says, in the middle of a fight with this... Well, she has just licked his face. So oh, I don't she know if his brain shorted out and he just went, say words. Yeah, mistletoe is deadly if you eat it. Because actually, no, that actually does track because he's a nerd. Yeah. And he would know that about mistletoe. Yeah, and he has no response to having his face licked. None. 
He licks his lips. He does. He does. <laughs> really pointedly. Again, you're telling me that this guy's not fully ready to, like... Yeah. Come on. This... Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so good. Mistletoe can be deadly if you can eat it. A kiss can be even deadlier if you mean it. Her lines are great. She's got, yeah. she's got a comeback for everything. She does. So that's how Date Night 3 kind of ends. Yeah, and she buggers off for some reason. Well, then the framing of Batman kind of works because then Batman has to kind of like go and save the Ice Princess and oh, for some right. reason she's perched on the edge of the building. And then... Doesn't think to just like shimmy herself off that ledge yeah, in the right direction. off of the ledge even, onto the building? I think if, like... Yeah, I think even, even if you're a bit silly, if you're standing on the precipice of a very high fall, even if you're bound, would you not, at the risk like... of falling on your face and knocking out your teeth, just do everything you can to mitigate the likelihood of you falling to your own death? You, you would think. You would think. You would. The Ice Princess doesn't do herself any favours. She doesn't. And then Batman arrives and he's like, don't move. And then Penguin appears, lawn dart, and he throws the, the umbrella mm-hmm. that then falls open and releases the bats, which now all I can think about when I saw that scene was I, I kept thinking about that um, episode of RuPaul's Drag Race where the drag queen tried to release the live butterflies and, and they, they were all dead. dead. And I'm like, in theory, that's probably what should have happened yeah. with the bats if they were smooshed up inside a yeah. an umbrella. Oh, but, actually, uh, that reminds me of a quick fact, though. Oh, we skipped it, but um, there was a scene where Catwoman and the Penguin were kind of coming up with this whole scheme. We did skip, and that is a good scene. We did skip it. Sorry, Sorry it's a really folks. good scene. But there's the bit where you know, and it's and the Penguin, and we haven't really touched this. The penguin is gross. Like yeah. he's he's sexually gross in terms very, of like he's pervy. Blah. Yeah, very he's, pervy. Very pervy, very incelly. Very gropey. Yeah, by his own admission. But then she kind of half rejects him and he starts saying, like, well, how can I trust you? You're just some, like, spoiled girl who's mad that her daddy didn't buy her a pony for a sweet 16. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, she is, like, cooing into this bird cage. Yeah. And she does a thing where she grabs the bird and thro- puts it in her mouth. Mm-hmm. Real bird. Blowing your mind with more. Jackie's it's a real bird. She does a Doug Jones. Yep. And in fact, it was and the same year as Doug Jones. That was all Michelle Pfeiffer because apparently yeah. they were fake birds and she was like, they don't look real. Yeah. So the bird was in her mouth, but they basically trained it to the point where it was not distressing for the bird to be in her mouth. So they started by getting it to like reverse into like hands that would open and shut. Okay. And then they got it to reverse into the trainer's mouth and then they got it eventually to be in Michelle Pfeiffer's mouth. But then there's a point when she stuffs it in, it's a fake one. She's like there's a bit where she has Yeah, she has to like there's a few yeah. moments where she has it in her mouth and like the bird's not in there the whole time. The bird through the magic of cinema yeah. was only in there for like an instant. But then they in the scene they have her with the bird in her mouth for a few seconds. Yeah. And in the meantime the penguin goes to threaten the cat. Yeah. With his knife brolly. And at that point, she releases the bird and it flies into its cage. So basically, they just had her like pop it in her mouth, immediately open her mouth, and it flows, and it, it flies into flies its out. cage. Yeah. But it was done humanely with trainers, and that was a real bird that she had in her mouth. And it was like another link that this film has to Hocus Pocus, yeah. where Doug Jones had live moths in his mouth. So it can, can be done. done. It can be done. And it was all Michelle Pfeiffer. I think that's the key. For me, that's the key thing that she really wanted it to be. She wanted it to be right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that scene is great. And uh, I mean, that's probably the most memorable and important thing about that scene apart from like Michelle Pfeiffer lounging on the bed looking insanely yeah. hot then when she gives herself a bath, she gives herself I, a bath. I think I'll have a bath 
that's the point mm. at which we get the understanding that framing Batman was to her be idea. a bad guy was her idea. Mm. Um, also, on the subject of the Penguin being absolutely disgusting, the thing that triggers him into like wanting to be the mayor is Max saying political power, influence, blah blah blah, unlimited puntang, yeah. and it's just like gross. You're both gross. Ugh. Yeah. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. Uh, anyway, men. The men are doing things. The men, men are saying do the things. things. Yeah. So that was date night number three. They sort of successfully framed Batman by making it look like he pushed the ice princess off the building. Mm-hmm. And then the penguin and Catwoman have their little champagne moment. He's mm-hmm. got the bubbly out and he thinks they're going to do it. And get married. <laughs> and get married. <laughs> <laughs> because they're a ring and she like throws it away and said, I'd, I wouldn't touch you to scratch you. Yeah. But she's like, <laughs> which is a phenomenal line but in the lead up to that she's like what the fuck are you talking about like it hasn't even crossed her sphere of like of like like, recognition that this like uh, yeah it's just so unbelievably gross and like far from a possibility that she's like i what what yeah Yeah. and at which point he goes full he goes full in cells full in cells like what does he call? He calls he her a lousy minx or something. Yeah, like yeah that. basically calls her a tease. Yeah, and so that you're sending all the signals. Yeah, you send out all the signals. Yeah, yeah like what signals? Yeah, fuck off. She can't help that she oozes sex. Yeah, <laughs> she cannot turn all of this off. Yeah, nor this should she it. have to. This it's not it. for you. It's not Oswald. for you. It's for her. And at no point did that come up as part of the discussion. Yeah, it's five um, percent for Batman sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Just for Batman. Nobody else. That's it. Mostly Selena. Yeah. <laughs> and us. So he does this weird thing where he gets this weird, physically impossible helicopter brolly and kind of like hooks her onto it. Yeah. And then she lands in a greenhouse. She lands in a greenhouse. Shatters it with her scream. She's raging. She's very mad. I would be mad too if that disgusting little cretin caught one up on me in that way. I would be pretty yeah, mad about that fuck's too. fuck's sake. But then that kind of ends her life of vigilante crime to some extent. Yeah, because they do have the discussion where she does say... And you mentioned it earlier yeah. where she's like, we weren't actually meant to hurt her. We were just meant to scare her. Yeah. And now she's dead. She fell off the side of a building. Yeah. This is all pretty grim. Yeah. And then uh, then we get some more stuff where the men are talking. There's a whole thing where during the Ice Princess thing, they've hotwired the Batmobile. Oh, yeah. To have the bombs. Action, and then the, yeah, action there's a stupid yeah. bit where, like, the penguin is... in his little mini... his little Batmobile. toy, his little supermarket toy car controlling the Batmobile and is, like, taunting Batman, basically being like, here's my big plan, I'm a bad guy. Yeah. And then Batman has the foresight to record that and yeah. then, like, you know, thwarts the whole plan in, in terms of... Also punches through... Punches through the bottom of a car. Of, the, of his own Batmobile, yeah, to like find a little device. Yeah, which is very um, brightly coloured, <laughs> helpfully. Helpfully. And um, looks like something a circus would have. Yeah, I mean, they've got the whole, the crew have budget, they have design, they have branding and assets. They, they do. have to like keep consistent across yeah, their whole operation. Yeah, they have operation. a recognisable aesthetic. Yeah. And <laughs> I can appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so he does that, but he records the penguin talking about how he's specifically played the sinking city like a heart from hell. Heart from hell. And then the next day when the the penguin's making his big speech about how like the mayor has pinned all of his, all of his 
his like crime and his like order keeping on this Batman and look at this psychopath. Yeah. And it was only a matter of time for this guy snapped and like now what law and order do you have? It's a lot, he's running on a law and order ticket, mm-hmm. which does work sometimes, as we've seen unfortunately. And that's what he's running on. And then Bruce Wayne, adorable nerd that he is, hacks in Somehow. to the audio and starts playing this message yeah. on a loop about Which is really yeah. impressive considering the setup looks very 1940s because they've got yeah. those old radio mics and they're kind of like yeah because but only batman has technology yeah yes yeah, sorry i forgot <laughs> apart from the super mechanics that are on the on the circus team yeah so he does that so catwoman's kind of out of her life of crime yeah because she's standing in the background doing this yeah she's just staring being yeah. like and like Max is there as well so she's just like I just need to get you this is kind of like I'm getting you and Oswald runs off because he's been humiliated everyone's booing him his ticket is dead Mm -hmm. and he like runs back into the sewer and he is like plan A because he he was never intending on running for mayor that was the Max thing and he was seduced by power and Pintang and now he's just like oh no I'm going to revert to plan A which is to murder all the firstborn sons because that's kind of what he was plotting from the start that was his plan A and he kind of got sidetracked by this political thing so he's like nope we're doing this we're going back to this that's back in order let's go with that and then we get the Max Carade and but we the also Max have Carade. The Max Crate, which is Max calls it that. Oh, Tizzy, I didn't even yeah. notice that. I did it because at one point I just I put the subtitles on because sometimes you just get like little, little extra bits, little yeah. sides. So sometimes I do that, and he like actually calls it. It's like I have my annual Max Crate. I'm like, okay, Max. That's as bad as when he has that line when he's talking to Bruce earlier in the movie, and he's like, "You want to go 14 rounds with Muhammad Shrek?" I'm like, "Did you actually just do that? Mm-mm. Did you just ref- did, did you do that?" Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So, yes. So, Wireman. I know. Why is Max Trick? <laughs> and so, but we have the very, very cute scene in the back cave where Bruce is doing some homework. I can't remember what he's doing, but uh, Alfred comes and says, we have like this, this off invite from the odious Max Trick. I assume that we can RSVP in a resounding negative. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, yeah, totally. And then he like, Alfred rips it in two, and then Bruce is like, wait, I'm like, I think Kyle will be there. I think a girl I like is going. Um. (laughs) And the look that Alfred gives him is just. He's so angry. He is so mad. <laughs> it's such a skill. It's like it's a like, real. Yeah, it's like why am I? Why is this grown man still fourteen? Vicky Vale was a nice girl. She was such a nice girl. Why could you not just get therapy, Bruce? <laughs> you can afford Apart it. You. you need therapy. <laughs> Yeah, so he goes to the Max grade, yeah. and he's the only one not wearing a mask, which... Apart from Selena Kyle. Apart from Selena Kyle, which I get is because... that is that, their mask! Their mask is a thing! <laughs> it's a thing. It's their thing. Although my initial response, though, is because I'm so programmed to be like, why are men? It was like, before, the me- before my understanding of the, the metaphor kicked in, I was like, yeah, of course, Bruce, you don't wear a mask. Of course, right? Everyone else makes an effort, and you're just like, I'm Bruce Wayne. And then I was like, oh, no, Selena Kyle's doing it too, because... That was a knee-jerk reaction, I understand. <laughs> I'm dealing with my own trauma. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, this is date night number four. Yeah. And it's it's quite sexy too, it's quite emotional. There's also some humour to be found in here because Bruce has no idea what's going on <laughs> for a big portion of it. 
very shocked by gun violence. Oh, and I just have to say, she looks oh, she looks breathtaking in a bat wing dress, a blue, a midnight blue sequined bat backless bat. Is it? Bl- dress. I thought it was black. Oh no, it's midnight blue. Is it okay? I believe you. you yeah, you should. I trust you. <laughs> it's a midnight blue backless bat winged sequined dress. Whatever, whatever it is, I want it. And uh, she's got these beautiful Art Deco teardrop earrings. Her hair is swept up in a kind of like not a French braid, but it's like a it's like a scraped back, and then the bulk of her hair then falls forward over her face. Yeah, it is ten out of ten. <laughs> she looks great. No ten notes. out of ten. No notes. And the music yep. when he sees her goes from like this instrumental version of Super Freak into like a Susie and the Banshees song, yeah, mm-hmm. and which is very sultry and sauntery and cat like actually. Yeah, and uh, he's looking yeah. for her. I don't know if she's looking for him. Maybe she is. Well, but he's no, they have an exchange. She's like, "Why are you here?" And he's like, "To see you. Why are you here? Murder." Yeah, <laughs> that's that is the conversation. Yeah. They have. And he's like, "Oh no." Yeah. Oh dear. I mean, that is the summary. Uh, is the cliff notes, but it's also like, but sexy. It's sexy. But like, make it sexy. They, they they go they walk towards each other, and then he just almost very fluidly and automatically, like it's it's a given. It's a very, pulls very her into dance. Yeah. dance with him, mm-hmm. and the arm goes right. Like she puts, her, I feel like the way this is sort of done, whether it was deliberately choreographed or whether it was the actor's choices, she puts her arm around him, like like anchoring himself, anchoring herself to him, mm-hmm. and I just thought that was very intimate and very. It just it communicated something to me that I just thought was like she's leaning on him. They're very close. There's lots of like their faces and heads touch. It's very sexy and mm-hmm. very intimate. And they have this whispered conversation that leads them to the realization of who they are. And but yes, there's that moment where like Selena is, I'm here to kill Max. Yeah, I'm not sorry, I was not here to I'm not here to here. See I'm you. here to murder my boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she pulls a, a, a small handgun out of her garter belt and Bruce just does not know where to look. It's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well he's trying to persuade her it won't solve anything and she's like yes it will and he she makes a compelling argument yeah <laughs> she does make a compelling argument she's like no he's the worst and he's like well yeah but he's this he's like don't murder your boss come on and then they're just kind of taking a little moment and she and she, she, leans she her says head back. she and leans her head back and they have a kiss yeah and then she leans her head back so he's mistletoe and she's like oh a kiss under the mistletoe you know mistletoe can be exactly. deadly if you eat it and he says a kiss can be even deadlier if you mean it and then they realize who they are yeah and then they need to go outside and have a chat yeah and it's very well done because they do this thing where they have the realization and they pull but he pulls back from her but then they kind of like but then they they draw back in and and she's like does this mean we have to start fighting now and it's very like oh my heart's racing (laughs) you're so stressed for them both yeah and it's really sexy even though it's like intense it's like it's also like oh gosh you really just don't you don't want them to have to start fighting you're just like no guys work it out work it out (laughs) let's go outside for a chat let's go outside for a chat (laughs) and I really want to know what would have happened I want to see that chat (laughs) but they never get to have it because at that point there's a big explosion the floor explodes and then what comes out of the floor (laughs) Louise (laughs) a fucking duck A duck. A fucking duck. A duck comes out of the floor. Oh, but at least this time the hole in the floor is big enough to accommodate the yeah, duck. Yeah, the duck blows through the floor. <laughs> duck blows through the floor. <laughs> With dynamite. 
and God. Penguin comes, announces his big plan to murder all the firstborn sons of Gotham. Blah, blah, blah. It was very hocus pocus, this bit. Again, very hocus pocus. Why? Because it's like, I'm not interested the, enough for going no, on. No, the baddies basically, like, he says something like, well, you were too busy dressing up like jerks, <laughs> getting juiced, oh, yeah. and dancing badly. <laughs> yes, that's the same thing that happens. And that's basically what the witches do. <laughs> It's a very similar it was film. Very, like, it it's was... a very similar film to Hocus Pocus, except it has weirdly less child murder mm. in Batman Returns. Yeah, it's obviously an easy thing in the nineties to just distract people with getting juiced, getting juiced, dancing. and dressing up like jerks, dancing badly, <laughs> so like people can get up to nefarious things. So yeah, that happens. What happens? So he tries to take Chip, and Max persuades him to take. Well, actually, quite out of character, persuades him to take him instead, and then the penguin very threateningly is like okay you make a good point get in the duck get in the duck (laughs) (laughs) which you don't think you could say scarily but he does manage it he does do it also that fucking duck Uh, yeah so he takes Max away in the duck we're always we're always less interested in the end of films than we are in like the stupid romantic details of them but um women i know what are we like i mean also yeah there is just like max gets in the duck the duck goes away (laughs) the bat and the cat go and figure out being the bat and the cat equal separately because they're kind of blown to separate ends of their dance part yeah and he has to go get his like other bat vehicle yes he is yeah, but bat he was—he wasn't there to be Batman. He was there to be romantic. No, he was there Bruce. to like. He was like going to see if he could find a girl he likes. Mm. We've all been there. Like, we're, I'm I'm going to go to that event because I think that person I'm crushing on is going to be there. Yeah. So they then have to like date night four gets ruined because they have to go be a bat and a cat following the penguin and a duck. <laughs> I'm so sad about the duck. And then and then yeah, stuff happens. Like there's penguins with missiles strapped to their backs. Like because the penguin decides just to murder everybody. Yeah. Yeah, he just loses it. And he's oh just like, Fuck no, it's him. because he's gonna drown all the firstborns. Vincent Scriavelli or whatever his mm. name is. He's he appears with the train and the kids get put in the train. And yeah, and Doug Jones is a bit like. Yeah, and the other guy's a bit like, oh, that's isn't that Doug, a little? That's when Doug Jones gets a smack in the dish. I think. Yeah, poor Doug Jones. Our, he liked one of our tweets, you know. He did, and on our Instagram, <laughs> and if I'm on not our very Instagram. Much we did tag him. It was not like he was following us or anything. No, but still, he'd have got a note. He would have, but he didn't need but to he, like but it. He didn't need to like it, and I think it's really nice that he did. I think it's lovely. I feel like I, I feel like I can manifest this for twenty twenty two that Doug Jones will come on the podcast. We need to just figure out how to message him. Can we not just slide into his DMs? I think you should. I could turn up outside his house in a giant duck. That works. I can think that. Could I think it's been proven yeah, to work. That works. Get in the duck. Get in the duck. <laughs> <laughs> But for the time being, let's get to the end of this one. Let's get to the end of this bloody one. So yeah, so things have happened. People are in ducks. They've taken the children on the train, but then Batman intercepts the train, sends the penguin a little note on his... His headed stationery. His headed stationery. Because <laughs> Batman is a nerd. And his stationery, by the way, is headed stationery. The header takes up most of the space on the stationery, yeah. I would like to point out. Just in but, case anyone know. was in any doubt. From the desk... Of Batman. <laughs> the children will be unable to attend. I feel like that was so sassy that Alfred probably wrote oh, that, probably. to be fair. 100%. And apparently like, the handwriting's made to look like Bob Kane's writing specifically. Yeah. That was another great Jackie's fact. 
just a little a little Jackie's little fact. Sh- little short tidbit. It's been quite a facty episode. It's been good. We both understood the assignment for this one, I think. We did. We did. It's going to be a long one, but I suspect we might let it be. We're just mainly talking about Batman and Catwoman. It's, but that's fine. I'm fine with that. <laughs> that's fine. Men, the men do things. The men do <laughs> things. Uh, the toxic men do things. So Batman intercepts the children, presumably puts them in the care of the police who send them home, and then Penguin loses his shit even more and decides to murder everybody because the sexes are equal when their erogenous zones are blown sky high, is what he says. Which... I mean, I don't know how well that argument has aged, given that we now know that gender is a construct. I mean, fine. I to give the penguin in his moment of rage the benefit of the doubt. He's, I guess, he's not wrong. If your erogenous zones also, have been yeah, blown sky high, then gender truly is sex a construct. From gender, like, gender really is a construct at that point. Yeah, I mean, and it is. We know that a gender is a construct, but like, if yeah. you're just blowing people apart, then I really feel like at this point it's a debate. It's probably not going to be top of anyone's list. Yeah. So he decides to do that. So the penguins all get sent into, and I remember actually going to see it in the cinema with my mum, and they'd be like, "What are the penguins doing?" and I remember her being like it's actually really sad because the penguins love him and he's just sending them off to die and that's always like stuck with me and made me feel really sad at this bit it is quite sad that like he they all trust him and he has this warlord speech to them where like some of you won't be returning yeah and it's, it's all very intense all, and yeah radicalized and I'm sure there I think there are tons of good facts to be had here about the penguins and oh, the types of penguins and there was like a thing about their electronic penguins yeah robot puppets people in suits suits and actual penguins and actual penguins and apparently like they weren't really sure how the penguins were feeling about all the fake penguins but they found like a a penguin like asleep cuddled up to one of the electric ones yeah because they have um i think it's called flock technique that penguins (laughs) they operate as a as a group as a tribe i guess and Mm. and their flock behavior is to follow the leader penguin or whoever feels like the one that will keep them safe and mm-hmm. and that's how they got a lot of the little the real penguins to follow they use flock technique to yeah. get the, little, the real penguins to follow the ones that weren't real it doesn't behoove us to dwell on that because i think we might get upset no i think so but i do think i think given the amount of care that was shown to the little bird that was in michelle pfeiffer's mouth yeah i don't think anyone was being i suspect mixed. i think the penguins were probably quite well looked after yeah i think they probably were i think also like oh actually no i did read that during film some of the penguins had babies which apparently they don't do if they're like stressed oh so there was like so like there was evidence that actually they were having quite a nice time i read i read and digested more of this than i realized at the time (laughs) they kept the set really cold and flew in tons of fresh fish to feed them oh so actually i think they were all on equity scale yeah (laughs) (laughs) everyone everyone got an invite to the premiere yeah they were all invited to the max grade I think the animal rights were well looked after in this That's film. Good. But not by the penguin. He sent them all off to their deaths. Although from uh, the looks of things he wasn't like it wasn't like a, a completely like I'm not justifying the penguin's behavior but rather than it being like a suicide bomber situation it's like they were carrying missiles that then like we're they gonna, fired from their bodies that rather might than just, like the penguins like, blowing up yeah, themselves. Yeah, like they're they're blowing up what is in their proximity which yeah. may well be other penguins. Yes, exactly. So like so uh, it's, it's not a given that they're all going to die. It's a partial suicide mission whichever way you slice it. He's but, not doing it himself. Yeah. It's grim either way. Yeah, so he sends them off. Batman, again, like, diverts them back to the zoo, and then the penguin dies, and Oh, the penguin like has another thing. moment where he gets in that fucking duck, and the duck can drive upstairs. Oh, yeah, the duck can drive upstairs. 
You're so mad at the duck. And the duck, <laughs> also, like, I don't know if this is worth noticing, but the radar in the bat boat can recognise penguins and it has a squawk. And it's duck shaped. And it also has a duck shape. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> not impressed it's fine she's Whatever. not impressed so yeah there's a whole standoff I really don't know why I hate this dog you do though and I think that's legitimate <laughs> and you know we don't need to unpack that today we can unpack it not after today. recording not today I don't know. I feel like there's there's a conversation that the Penguin and Batman have. Because there's kind of a thing that's danced around in the film and I don't think it really gets properly addressed where, you know, they're both actually from the same background and Max kind of addresses it at the start yeah. where he's like, you could have been bunk buddies, bunk at, buddies prep school. at prep school. Yeah, it's a huge... And, I, I, you know, you're so right to touch on that because there was something I wanted to say earlier but I didn't know if it was actually... When Bruce is so obsessed with him, uh, there's part of me that wonders is there's some kind of thread of, like, there for the grace of God go I kind of vibe? Mm-hmm. Here, but actually, it's like Bruce wasn't left, or he wasn't whatever yeah. you want to call it. Like, well, he was orphaned, but he wasn't. He, oh, yeah, he knows he like was a... wanted. He knows he was loved. Yeah, and he's been left very provided for. Yeah, so I wonder if there's like he's had none of the issues that the penguin has about the people who are supposed to love me and look after me. Yeah, have not done that. And so he doesn't have that kind of self-esteem issue to grapple with about, like, why am I not worthy of love? Yeah. Is is that what it is? Is it you looking at the penguin and going, well, my parents are similar to his, they were from the same background, and, like, if I had been born slightly differently, would they have done that to mm. me? Or if they had died sooner and I didn't have Alfred, is that what could is have happened? Is that what could happen to me? Yeah. So I wondered if there was, like, something in that, that that's why he's so obsessed with, like, digging up dirt on the penguin. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, there's lots of parallels to be drawn. Or, or, it's, or at least it feels that it's being presented in that way. Mm. Well, there's the empathy about, like, the penguin doesn't know his parents. Like, the initial reaction that Bruce has to Oswald is empathy because he's like, oh, I hope he finds them. Because, you know, to think that he has missed his parents and he really obviously dwells on this, spends a huge amount of his time thinking about how his parents were taken away from him, that he hopes that this person finds his parents and that that's a nice story because he knows that pain. Yeah. But also... Yeah, it's just such a different story. Really. Yeah. But other than the fact that their parents had such different reactions to them, they could have had similar lives. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think Max is right. They probably would yeah. have been bunk buddies at prep school. Yeah. And then they kind of chuck the penguin to the side for a bit, really. But he kind of gets run out of town. Not run out of town. They're in the zoo. Yeah, he gets chucked into the water and then it's sort of a bit like... it's This bit's a bit confusing for me because like we've seen him fall into the water before because he makes his getaway yeah. in public and jumps into the water. And... I was a bit like, well, he's not dead because we've maybe established earlier that he can swim. He could definitely swim. And then we don't see him again because the next section is all about Max, Selena, and, and Bruce. Mm. But he does turn up and there's something very, very wrong. With yeah, he's him. not well. He's not well. So we'll get there, I think, because I think the more important bit of the closure of the movie is what happens next. Yeah, which is Max, Max has meanwhile been in a cage. Yeah, he's been hanging out in a giant bird cage, which apparently they have budget for. Yeah, in the sewer. And he's lured a monkey over. Monkey is the key holder for reasons, and he, he gets, gets out of his cage. Gets basically. out of his cage immediately. Gets a whip to the foot and dragged through the pool by Catwoman, who needs to have her reckoning with yeah. him and. She's going to kill him. Batman's there. Yeah, there's a whole thing, like, don't kill him. Like, Max just goes quiet and hangs out for a bit while Batman and They have their moment. Well, he's also reacting, because, like, he works out that that's Selena Kyle, and he's like, Selena Kyle, you're fired. Okay, Max. Yeah, sure. Sure, you're holding a lot of the cards right now. (laughs) Pipe down, yeah. Pipe down. Batman and Catwoman have, like, we're the same. Like, you don't need to do this. He rips off his mask. 
Yeah, he just pulls that thing off like it's barely held together. It can't really be protecting him very hard. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, alright, cool. There must have been a better way to do this. Yeah, he, like, also, she knows you're Bruce Wayne. Like, I'm yeah. not entirely sure you needed to do that, but whatever. Oh, maybe just, also, like, he he rips off his mask and he doesn't have all of the black eye makeup around his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Okay, um, Bruce. He basically is just like, come away with me. Yeah. We'll, we'll sort it out. We'll get you out of this. She's like, I want to do that. I want to go and live in your castle, just like a fairy tale. But that's not how it works. And but I don't know if she just, is, is it that she's just been screwed over too many times at this point? to trust that kind of solution. I think it's also like she's been exposed to a little bit, en- enough of Bruce to know that you can't offer that. Mm. You're not in a position to offer that. Yeah. You and I, you've just said we're the same. If that's yeah, the true... The reason that we're the same is because we do this. Yeah, if that's true, then this can't work the way you're presenting yeah. it to work. And I am still too burdened with my own trauma that I need to deal with this prick. This guy killed me. Yeah. And that becomes the <laughs> yeah. fucking theme of the next bit of dialogue which is like her whole I have nine lives lives, seven seven lives six left yeah that that fantastic bit of he keeps shooting her yeah she's counting down the lives yeah one left I I think I'll save it for next Christmas yeah but then why doesn't she just tase him to death or like smack him through the eyes with her nails why (sighs) does she need to make out with him and like tase him and have a power cord why is that necessary I think for the double bluff. I think about the double bluff all the time. What, what for plot, purely? For plot. For okay. purely to make us think as the audience that she's dead. Mm-hmm. Or that it's a suicide mission. Mm-hmm. That she's prepared to do that. And then have the big reveal at the end because we do know that she's alive at the end because we see yeah. her. That's the final beat of the movie. The bat yeah. signal goes up in the yeah. foreground of the frame. There's Catwoman. And I think about this a lot when I think about and talk about Buffy mm-hmm. because there's a lot of debate around uh, Buffy in season six and I'm not going to go into it in great detail right now because this is not currently a Buffy podcast. <laughs> but this idea of like going against plot and character in order to trick the audience mm-hmm. for for basically for a cheap thrill. Mm-hmm. The cheap thrill of making the audience think one thing and then the other thing happens. And Buffy did that with Spike at end of season six into season seven. And... A lot of people are like, that was a horrible thing to do. It was a really horrific choice to make. Mm-hmm. And the only reason you did it was to to do that cliffhanger, like, keep the audience on their edge of the seats. Whether or not it was character-driven, whether or not it was good writing didn't matter. Mm-hmm. All that mattered was to do that. Either that, that gut punch or that, like, <gasps> or that, what's mm-hmm. going to happen? Or is she actually dead? It's like, that's what that is. And... It doesn't matter whether it's, like, something the character would do or not. Yeah. And I, I think we see it less and less now as we've we've gotten better as a society and therefore better writers and TV's got better, movies have got better. We don't see it as much now as we did then. Mm-hmm. But that was absolutely a thing. Okay. Like, to, like, sacrifice character development, genuine plot. Actual motivation motiva- as well. Like, so it's just, not even like they yeah. had, like, any kind of... You could almost see it being shoehorned in if they'd had some kind of like office romance previously or something, if there had been some sort of yeah. like question and to of kill, like, like to kiss him and all the rest of it. It's just like to kill herself, to do it while kissing him, a whole thing. It's just like it, it's all spectacle and it's all yeah. like to do that play with the audience kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it kind of works. I mean, it, it sort of works in the sense that the spectacle does work. Yeah. And then we get the thing where Batman's looking for her and when he 
pulls up the panel and we see that horrible... Oh, I, that used to be so it's frightening. It's so scary, isn't yeah. it? When you're younger, it's so scary. Like, they really spunk some makeup budget on making that really quite shocking. Yeah. So it just makes the whole... No, she's still alive. And Batman's yeah, she's not there. looking for her. Yeah. It's a nice way to end what was essentially the, the conclusion to that version mm-hmm. of the franchise. Anyway, sorry. I just no. went off on one. And... No, totally. Is there anything else in that scene that we need to talk about? <laughs> the penguin. I mean, the moment where he's going to try. He's like shuffling along and he's clearly on death's door yeah. for, I don't know, some, I don't know, maybe kind of half drowned. I'm not entirely sure yeah. why he's, he's like, dying. I'll, moment, I'll murder you momentarily. I'll murder, murder you momentarily. <laughs> and then he's like, and he pulls a brolly out and he's like, shit, I picked a cute one. Yeah, because it's like, the, yeah. Because he's got this whole gamut of murdery brollies oh, yeah. and he pulls the one that's like a little mobile. <laughs> And then yeah, and then it's kind of like it's uh, it's a little bit of anticlimactic. Like he just kind of dies. He just falls on his face and gets uh, dragged into the water by penguins. And his lines are really. And the penguins are sad that he's they dead. Are, they are. They're. The penguins are sad that he's dead, but his lines are really quite. I'll murder you momentarily. It's funny, and then he's like, I think the heat's getting to me. Mm-hmm. I just need a cold. A nice drink of water. Yeah, a nice, nice drink of ice water. water. Yeah. And then he dies, and then he gets. It's quite. The pathos is real in this It's moment. sad. It's like a really tragic, you know, like it makes you kind of, I think the fact that the penguins usher him into the water reminds you of like what his life has been. Yeah. And the way that like Bruce is looking over at him and is kind of a bit non, not nonplussed, but like he's a bit like, okay, I guess I don't have to deal with that. Yeah. It's but sad. also looks a bit sad. It's just like this person's had a really hard, horrible life and like look at this tragic end to this person who really didn't really ever have a chance. You know, it's like he comes to the fore and he's not a nice man and he's a perv. He's violent and and gross and corrupt. But he also gets used and manipulated by Max and mm. it's just this is and society has completely spat him out like there was probably yeah. also like bringing to your point like how did the Cobblepots get rid of him there was probably also an extent of the people who knew about the baby knew the baby had deformities so maybe like maybe they just didn't care yeah so there's this this element of like he has to save a baby to be considered worthy yeah he really just didn't ever stand a chance in the society that we have. And I think um, we're so obsessed in the Batman canon with the Joker. Mm. And it's been unpacked and dealt with to death. But actually, when Bruce is standing there, he's standing in between the fall of two people who are dealing with immense trauma. Yeah. Like, if we want to get really academic about it, the Penguin's End is very anticlimactic and he... Mm-hmm. He drowns and falls into the, the water the way his parents wanted to get rid of him 33 yeah. years earlier. Yeah. And with Selena, it's like, I'm not going to choose the easy way because I actually can't get over this and he, I need to destroy yeah. him. And in doing so, if that means I destroy myself, then that's fine. Yeah, and it's not actually about the patriarchy or like justice for women or anything. It's actually just about this one guy yeah. that fucked her over and that's... And she can't get past it. Yeah, you're right. And it's yeah, Bruce. Bruce doesn't really do anything in that scene. Batman, outside of the wider kind of saving the kids, preventing Gotham from being nuked thing, which is you know good. 
that he did that. Yeah, great. I mean, that's part of your job, so... Yeah. yeah. So he saved the lives. <laughs> he saved the, the bulk of the lives. Yeah. But then in terms of the two traumatised people, there's a real awareness of, like... He failed. Uh, yeah, and also, like, in terms of like, what you were saying about, like, there but for the grace of God go I kind of thing, like, mm-hmm. he doesn't have that. He has trauma, and he is playing that out in his own special way, but also he does have privilege. Yeah. Because... He's, he's very wealthy. He was he's loved. He's a man. You know, he hasn't had those kinds of struggles. He hasn't he, had to struggle to be respected. He's also the architect of his own hero narrative. Yeah. That's the other thing we forget about Bruce Wayne, which comes up later on, and how Nolan interprets it. He is the architect of his own hero narrative. Mm-hmm. He's capable of that by his own choosing. Mm-hmm. So there's something really interesting about this movie ending with him just standing there kind of useless and having failed in some ways. And kind of just seeing the way that other people have ended themselves in a sense. Mm. We could argue it's more interesting than the Joker Batman narrative, which is what everyone's obsessed with. It's more interesting than the Joker narrative, certainly in the first Batman. Yeah. But also it's like the Joker narrative now is more interesting because it's had like a billion films and graphic novels dedicated to it, Mm -hmm. including one entire character study film which Batman is not even in. Not even in. <laughs> other than as a, t- as a little boy. And a, and a series and everything. So it's like you could... But you could have... You could have that about... I mean, I know that there was a Catwoman film, which I actually haven't seen. It's really kind of galling to me, actually, that the Catwoman film did not work. And there's a million reasons why mm-hmm. that didn't work. A lot of them being not understanding what that character could be. Mm-hmm. And we have it here. Like, it's the, the, the groundwork was laid here in this movie. Yeah. And we've got this endless worship of this concept of the Joker and all of the interpretations of him, mm-hmm. which sit right squarely in incel territory. Yes. It absolutely does. It, yeah. it sits in the, like, totally. why does nobody understand me and why am I not getting the respect that I deserve? And mm-hmm. that's not in any way to undermine mental health issues that plague men because those are important and, hu- and a huge, huge deal within mm-hmm. our society. In fact, you know, paying more attention to men's mental health would probably fix a lot of our problems in society. Well, and it's, well, it's just bad. So, like, the patriarch is bad for everyone. It's bad for everyone. Yeah. But there's this thing in the culture, in, in the movie-making, storytelling, pop culture about de- almost deifying the Joker mm-hmm. and his origin story and the various ways that that can be told. It's problematic and dangerous to a degree. Yeah. Whereas this is like, there's something interesting happening here that nobody was interested in exploring beyond yeah. Tim Burton. And, uh, mm, and also, I a guess dissertation was- topic in there somewhere. Yeah, but I mean, I guess it wasn't. A, this was a new penguin as well, mm-hmm. because they've taken the fact that he's taken the fact that these are both privileged men, but actually they've taken the penguin in this iteration really down a peg or seven into the sewer and made him unloved in a way that the original iterations of the penguin weren't like that. And I guess we've sat here being like Catwoman, yes. Relatable, <laughs> like, yes, in a queen. way that, like, you know, it's like in a way it's maybe rich for us to criticize people who deify the penguin because we've just no. like sat here basically like she's perfect. No, we love no, her. No, you're wrong. I'm okay, <laughs> I'm just gonna say that right. I don't. I don't think so. No, 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 no. No, you're right. I would need to explore that for a second. I, I, think I just want I, to. I want to note. I, we don't condone criminal behavior, but it doesn't mean we can't empathize with her motivations, and we still love her. And I don't care. And I'm drunk now. <laughs> I, I condone some criminal behavior. 
It's good when she murders that rapist. It's great when she murders the rapist, and, and I think it's fine for her to go in and trash that department store. She lets the security guards who are taking less than three hundred home away, and that's all that matters. No, you're right. It's not. The sa- <laughs> it's not the same as deifying the Joker. I just wanted to note a parallel, I guess, before somebody else did. And I, I appreciate that. And I think we could do a whole other podcast unpacking all of that because it's valid and very astute and part of this world around which Batman is such a huge deal. And, and we just don't, we never, we've never returned to Catwoman. No. And I think that's a really interesting thing, considering how important she is in the comics. Mm-hmm. Time and time again, she comes up and, and Batman has a long standing relationship on and off again, chemistry versus, you know, suitability for one another being a thing. But she's just, she's appeared again as Anne Hathaway appeared again. Yeah. You know, doing Catwoman. It was fine. It was fine. And absolutely nothing on Anne Hathaway at all. Like, there was nothing that she could have done that she didn't do. Like, she did a great job, but it was not, the writing was not there to. They didn't do give anything nearly as much with her. About and, her. Yeah. Like, this is the film that has given us the most care about who she is, why she's like, yeah, the way she is. What would probably be sensible is to just cut straight to the end of the movie. Straight to the end of the movie, which is Bruce is in the limousine with Alfred <sighs> and <laughs> sees the Catwoman silhouette in the alley. It was like, Alfred, stop the car, runs out, see if he can find her, finds a black cat. The fact that Bruce Wayne hasn't had a cat before now is insane to me. He's, he probably has. He just keeps losing them in that gigantic... They probably get, keep getting eaten by bats. <laughs> <laughs> Finding their way into the Iron Maiden or falling down a trap door or something. Not a good place for cats. Um, I would not be leaving Vera with Bruce <laughs> while I go on a holiday. You'd come back and like, where's Vera? Uh, um, she's around here somewhere. I mean, he's like, I'm fighting crime, Jackie. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know where your cat is, okay? Yeah, I'm like, I have a brunch date with Vicky on Sunday. I'm going to be talking about this. <laughs> yeah. You really be nicer to your girlfriends Bruce because I stay friends with them all um, <laughs> why don't you have a cat so he gets a cat he gets he brings the cat back into the limo and then so silly <laughs> Alfred goes well come what me Merry Christmas Mr Bruce and then Bruce goes Merry Christmas Alfred goodwill towards men and women <laughs> Because he's a feminist then. It's so ridiculous. Why? I'm a feminist now. Because that girl I liked electrocuted herself. So also, and women. Why? Oh my God. It's so bad. Like, it's so it's bad. bad. It's a bad. I love this film so much, but that's bad. It's a bad last line. Thank God they had that button with the, the bat signal and then, yeah. and then going, yay, she's still alive. Because if that hadn't like been the thing that you were left focusing on, if that had been the last line... <laughs> the last beat of the movie I'd have been like I'm sorry what I'd be I'd be like the penguin again having that exchange with him like I'm sorry what like yeah. did that what, that's not what I meant things like, change <laughs> what changes what are you talking about you must do me for someone else what? Alfred in the car going yeah sure and women did we not mean them I did mean everyone Bruce like okay who said anything about men Bruce like why did you need to make that distinction like we're going home do you want to go through the drive <laughs> So anyway, that's the film. Oh, that's the film. Do you fancy maybe getting a drink over the Christmas period? Uh, I'm listed. I'm tempted. I'm working. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs>
That was I'll Have What She's Podcasting. Thanks to Chris Gorman for the edit and the sound design. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at She's Podcasting. If you liked this, you might also enjoy our sister podcast, Persistent and Nasty, which is all about amplifying marginalised voices in film and theatre. Thanks for listening and see you next time.